0: Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things kings of war. Join your hosts Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War.
1: Welcome to CounterCharge. I'm Mike Atkins. I'm Todd Serpico. I'm Alex Chavez. And
2: I'm Jeremy Duval. And we are back again for another Kings of War Army review. And I'm pretty excited. We got a great group of generals and hobbyists to talk about all things forces of the abyss. As you guys have listened, this is definitely on one of my short lists as far as uh, a project to be done after my Basileans. And it's definitely one of the all-mantic armies I'm looking at doing. So I'm excited to sort of, along with you guys, learn a lot about uh, the Forces of the Abyss from um, three players who have been playing them for a long time. So first off, we're going to kind of get to know or re-know some of our panel. And first we have Mike Atkins. And I think, Mike, you've been on the show maybe once a while ago, but... Why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself to our audience? Give us a little bit of your origin story, sort of uh, where you live, where you're from. Um, I know you have an event you run, so why don't you kind of take us through all things, Mike Atkins?
3: Uh, sure thing. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike. I live in uh, Virginia in the in the Mid Atlantic region. Um, I've been playing Kings of War for three or so years now. I, I'm a I'm a Warhammer refugee. Um, I'm originally from Virginia, but uh, I lived in uh, California for about seven years and then moved back to the East Coast just just a couple of years ago uh, and then started playing more Kings of War tournaments. Uh, As Jeremy mentioned, I do run uh, my own GT. It's called Vanguard GT. Uh, which is a Kings of War GT and not a Vanguard GT. It's super clear. Maybe maybe we'll play some Vanguard at it uh, one day. But it's um, yeah no, it's a it's a Kings of War tournament at the end of April here in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Great time. We have it at a private venue. Uh, we serve all the meals on the site. Uh, there's there's space for people to camp. It's super low cost, super first timer friendly. Folks are interested if you're in the Mid Atlantic region or in one of the states you know adjacent to the Mid Atlantic region. Uh, you can check it out on uh, VanguardGT.org coming up at the end of April. Um, We'd love to see a few more folks from uh, from a little bit wider area come on out. Uh, I'm also the site administrator for Dash28, Dash28.org, uh, which basically means I, I keep the the server running and the and the pages uh, loading and the software up to date uh, and help uh, the uh, the author the author contributor team with any you know, any technical issues they have uh, so that they can focus on just churning out articles for people to read. I'm also uh, in the uh, the club the aristocrats with uh, with Alex uh, and I think I think you guys were actually talking about us on one of your episodes from the masters about where the name came from i think jeremy you and yes. you and rob were discussing uh-huh. it and
2: i kept calling and, and you guys the Arista Cats because i couldn't get that movie out of my brain
3: yes so that's how dare that's, you how dare you <laughs> that's that's super common we we actually keep joking that we're going to gaslight everybody and and like one year dip t-shirts made that say the Arista cats that look exactly like our normal shirts and just start wearing them to tournaments and just insist to everyone that we've always been the Aristocat's and we don't know what the hell they're talking about but the, the the actual club name I think you guys didn't quite get it but you were kind of you were kind of close you were kind of hitting around what what it is it's um it's a reference to a famous dirty joke that there there is a documentary that was made about it and it's a documentary like about stand-up comics um, so it's a joke that like every stand-up comic knows but you'll never hear them tell as part of a set it's just like a joke that they tell each other after hours when they're drinking and, like, the joke itself is not really funny. It's a joke that, like, you can embellish and personalize and, and improvise on. So, like, each of them has, like, their own little version of this dirty joke. And the punchline to it is the aristocrats, right? It's uh, And the punchline is not funny. Uh, but that's the name of the movie, and that's the punchline to the joke. Uh, if you if you like, you know, just absolutely filthy, disgusting, perverted jokes, totally check out that uh, that documentary. It's a, it's a fun watch. Uh, I've been playing Abyssals uh, pretty much the whole time I've been playing Kings of War. I think I do pretty well with them. I finished in the top half at Masters, uh, the last two years. Probably known more as a painter than a than a general. You probably may have seen pictures of of my armies. I, I've been playing like a like a Zeech themed abyssal army. So like lots of lots of like blue bird demons with bright bright white wings. A lot of lot of bright colors and some cool uh, you know glowing glowing effects on the models. Uh, you know some some converted stuff, some some stuff from Mercia. And I like saying it like that, like they say on Vikings, call it Mercia instead of Mears or Mersh or whatever. You got to say it with the accent. It sounds better that way. It sounds sexier. Mercia. Um, yeah, and I think that's about it. I'm super excited to, to step through the, the Abyssal Army list and tell everybody what I think about it.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean... Uh... You guys have probably seen, uh, as Mike kind of sort of alluded to, pictures of his army and a lot of the um, photo stuff that comes from Masters. He's taken at the last two Masters, and it is a very cool bird, bird-themed Abyssal Army. So it's going to be cool to have um, not only a good general on the show, but have, like, a good hobbyist, you know. And also, too, um, I know for Vanguard, I love the tournaments that give unique first place trophies. Don't you guys have a unique trophy that you give out for first place, Mike?
3: Oh, I do. I do actually. Um, so the uh, the logo for the tournament uh, is is the the V for Vanguard uh, superimposed on a shield. Uh, so I actually give out a a full size uh, metal shield that I that I paint in in, in kind of tournament colors. Um, yeah. So you know you you go to some some tournaments and like they they might give you a weapon. Like I've been to tournaments before where they give you a sword. Um, so I thought I would I would help somebody complete their set and give out an actual full Full-sized uh, steel metal shield, which I'm told is rated for uh, for buffer weapons only, not for live steel. So if I ever give one of these to somebody, don't go picking a fight with somebody with an actual sword with it. Uh, I I take no responsibility for any injuries you might sustain using the shield inappropriately. Uh, but so far, Alex is the only one that has one. So.
2: Yeah. So what you got to do is you got to go to Refugees of the Old World, win that, so you get a sword. Go to Vanguard GT, win that, and get a shield. And then when you show up at Lone Wolf, you gotta get on a horse and ride the horse into the hall with a, <laughs> with your shield and sword and like a big uh, cowboy hat and then you'll be uh you'll be good to go.
1: You'll have the whole outfit. It's a very cool trophy. I have I have one across room actually from here and it it's super cool. We joke about making a full set of armor being like the you know, I need a helmet and you need like a set of trophies for like each piece of gear, right?
2: Yeah, and then you get like a bonus. If you wear them all, you get plus one extra free die rolls, you know, from your <laughs> your set your set armor bonus. Okay, and then also we got on the show who, you know, he is no uh, stranger to accolades or uh, chalices of victory. We have the former U.S. Master, uh, Alex Chavez. How are you doing, Alex?
1: Pretty good, man. Always excited to be on Counter Charge. I uh, Back from the Masters we had in San Antonio a few weeks ago... And I'm excited to really delve into the Clash 19 stuff. I think there's a lot of good content there and kind of getting some games in of that, looking at all the different possibilities and, and going from there.
2: Yeah, I know my group was really excited because everyone had been doing so much 2018 to get ready for Masters that pretty much as soon as you got home, it was like the week after that, everyone was so excited to be building with all the new toys.
1: Yeah, exactly. We got like on a three month delay on on the rest of the world, <laughs> so like I feel like we're, we're finally got like the okay to like finally look at it. Like I know some of our our team members didn't even look at the book or didn't even buy the book until you know they didn't want to get confused and rules and stuff like that, which I, which I do admire. That's a really uh you know good willpower to do that. But uh but like I, said, I was excited just to get games in of of Clash nineteen and kind of you know check out all the new toys.
2: And then finally we have my brother from another mother my fellow social social justice warrior from live from the newly finished casa de serpico the master of the chicken parm todd serpico how are you doing todd
4: doing good uh glad to be here again with you guys uh i'm sure everybody knows me uh i'm one of the tos here in austin also uh one of the mods on the fanatics page uh love it or hate it and uh Abyssals have been probably my co-primary army with Ratkin. Uh, I probably play a third of the armies in the game, but uh, I've played Abyssals really since this, almost since I, we first switched over, uh, going back about three years. Uh, and, and them and Ratkin are definitely probably my most played armies. And so I'm happy to be able to be here and be a part of this show.
2: Okay, so before we're going to get into the uh, the nit and gritty, we're going to go through a la, you know, the normal. Uh army list review, we're going to look at all the units, we're going to talk about uh, effectiveness, we'll talk about model options, we'll talk about, um, you know, I like to call them halo units, like what are the units that you, you know, a reason to play the army, a reason not to play the army, we're going to look at all these things. But first, like, imagine that we're in an elevator. And you're trying to convince me with your elevator pitch the reason to play Abyssals. Let's start with you, Mike. First, what's your like? What jumps out at you is what you like about the Abyssals, or or what's a reason to play the Abyssals?
3: Sure. So, I mean, I uh, I kind of stumbled into playing them because I was planning on making a you know Warhammer Fantasy Demon Army, and then I, I had to change games, and so I just sort of ported over what I'd already kind of planned on on having and, and building. Uh, to an abyssal list. and you know since then've I've really come to enjoy playing them. They do elite alpha strike really well. You know they they hit hard.'re they're, they're not an army that wants to stand back. like they, they want to get in your face. And uh, there's just something so satisfying when you when you play them just right and you spend like the first couple of three turns maneuvering and setting up all these great charges. and then like turn three comes and you go all in and you just pounce on your opponent. And you wipe out like half of their army in that one massive alpha strike, and then you you turn all your units that don't have a scratch on them, you know, towards the middle from whichever whichever flank you, you you just devastated, and 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 you just watch your opponent shake their head like, well now I don't know what to do. I can turn and face the guys that are about to fight me, or I can stay facing these guys that have been creeping up in front of me. You've got me, um, like that's that's one of those super satisfying moments. And and the the other the other just super satisfying moment playing abyssals is when you've you've maneuvered all your stuff and the army gives you this little Easter egg, right? Like gives you this little, little, little present that you weren't expecting. And that usually comes in the form of like, your opponent takes their turn. They, they hit the chest clock. Now it's your turn. You stand up, you walk around to like the long ed, ed, edge of the table and just look across the table. And you're like, Oh crap, there's a, there's a flank charge right there that you left me that neither of us saw till just now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to flank that, you know, horde of infantry with my archfiend and one shot it just out of nowhere. And now he's going to be in the middle of your lines and, you're not going to know how to how to handle that. And, you know, you get to walk back and be like, I'm the best general in this place. That was super cool. I didn't even know that that was there, but there it was on the table. You know, those are those are the moments that, for me, like, make, make Abyssal's worth worth playing. Those, like, cool, calculated, well-maneuvered Alpha Strikes are, are, are kind of the way I play this army. Cool. What about you, Alex?
1: Yeah, so I definitely agree with what Mike said. Um, last year, as uh, Jeremy mentioned, I, I won a tournament called Master, so... I decided I was going to change pace from Dwarves and play a bunch of other armies. And as I got to playing and testing, I ended up on Abyssals mainly because they were the exact opposite of Dwarves. They were super fast. They hit super hard. And I ended up having a lot of fun with the army. I think it's a very versatile army. I think it's a lot of tools and you can play it a bunch of different ways. And I think that is what makes it really rewarding to play. And I really, really enjoyed kind of getting the hang of them. I think, Overall, I would classify them as sort of a glass cannon style army. They hit really hard, and, you know, they hit all at once, but they don't have a lot of hitting, staying power. They don't have that toughness to kind of back them up. You know, like my mentioned, you have to be very careful with your movement. You have to be very precise and, and kind of maneuverable, but like you said, when that happens, when all the things click and, and you know, you finally you know roll down a flank and, and you know, turn towards the middle, it, it's really rewarding. So I think I think that most thing I enjoyed about this is the fact that they're just kind of the exact opposite of doors really fast.
2: Cool. And what what about you, Todd?
4: For me, I mean, a lot of it starts from the modeling side, just that there's all kinds of great conversions you can do with the Army, crazy big monsters, uh, different things that that are just very fun to model and paint. Uh, Also, I think they're a very versatile Army like Alex touched on. Uh, I think pretty much other than shooting spam, they can do any style virtually well. Um, But the two kind of styles I enjoy playing the most are just a a toolbox kind of army that's got kind of bits and pieces to do a lot of different things uh, or like very fast, aggressive lists. And I think Abyssals are great at both of those.
2: As we are exploring the list, we'll see some of that, which is there's probably things the Abyssals – do well but they do have like a lot of options especially i think with some of the new stuff that the cock 2019 pack has given them i think you're uh right todd too is that there's lots of cool model options for this army you know any army that has a lot of big monsters you can really do it a lot of different ways so i'm excited to kind of pick your guys brains as this may be an army that i do in the future to kind of figure out you know where good starting points and what may be cool and stuff so so, in our uh, normal army uh, review fashion, we're just going to get right into it. We're going to go through the units. Uh, we're going to talk about, again, like I said earlier, competitive wise, uh, fluff model wise, what might be cool, kind of just touch on our uh, thoughts on the different units. Um, so, first up is Mike, and he's going to take us through the Flame Bearers.
3: So, Flame Bearers are an infantry unit, they come in troops or regiments. Uh, they are speed 5, uh, melee 5 plus. Range four plus, defense three plus. In a troop, they have eight attacks. and a regiment, they have 10. And a troop, they got 10-12 nerve. and a regiment, they got 14-16. A uh, troop costs you 105 points, and a regiment costs you 140. Uh, they have Fury, which is the army-wide special rule. Uh, they also have Regeneration five plus, which is pretty common on Abyssal Infantry units. Uh, they have Firebolts and Piercing one. Um, and this is actually a really good unit to start with. Um, because I think this unit tells you a lot about how Abyssals are supposed to be played. Um, there, There is no long-range mass shooting unit in this army. You know, lots of, lots of armies have that, like, basic you-can-get-a-horde-of-archers-or-crossbows-or-something-like-that unit. Um, this is the closest thing Abyssals have, uh, and this unit cannot do that job at all. Um, if you compare them to, like, a, a regiment of uh, uh, elf kindred archers... The elves cost 10 points more, 10 points more, um, but have a 24 inch range uh, and elite, right? And that's the the elf army wide special rule. Um, Fury doesn't really do anything for flame bears because you kind of don't want them to get into combat, right? Like once they get punched, they can't shoot; they're they're useless. So being able to counter charge, you know, when they're hitting on fives isn't isn't good. So like the army wide special rule doesn't really benefit the flame bears like it does something like elves. Um, also you can't take a horde of them, so you don't really get enough attacks to really do that mass shooting. Um, and you know, 18 inches range versus 24 inches range is, is kind of a big deal. Um, because that means that if you get the first turn, there is actually no way for you to get in range to shoot anything, uh, on on the top of turn one, right? Like you, you can only walk forward five and you're still an inch short to hit anything, uh, that's, that's still standing on the starting line. Um. And you also, with, with 18 inches of range, you, you can't stay out of range of little, like, flying units or little fast chaff, you know, that's that's going to come in and punch you and keep you from shooting anyway. So I think, I, I think you know, this is, this is a nice unit that says, like, if you want to stand back and shoot at things, Abyssals is not the army for you. That's a tool that they just sort of don't have, or at least th- there, there isn't an infantry unit that can do that. So shooting in the, in, in the Abyssal Army is more for, like, clearing chaff out of your way as you're running across the table to beat stuff up. Or for cleaning up stuff late game, if one of your hammer units bounced off and didn't quite do enough wounds, I don't think flame bears are, are very good at clearing chaff. Like I don't think that that role is is great on them. I think there there are better tools in the army to do that. They might be okay at cleaning up late game, like if you can kind of get them where they're going and let them just stand there. Since you can take a regiment that's two unit strength, and you you, you kind of have trouble getting unlocks and, and unit strength in, in this list because you kind of want to take big cool monsters and stuff that, that uh, you know, or, or little fast troops of things. So the fact that they add some unit strength, that's okay. The fact that they provide some unlocks, that's okay. There's probably better options in, in the army if that's your goal, though, is unlocking stuff and getting unit strength. So, I'd, like, I wouldn't recommend Flame Bears for that. But they might be okay for, like, walking up, standing on an objective, and shooting anything that's half dead but still wandering around at the end of the game. Um, whether that's a great use of your points or not, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think a whole lot of people actually uh, use them. So yeah um, and I think the the biggest telling thing here is that a, a regiment of flame bearers costs 5 points more than an efreet. So for less points if you have a hero unlocked you can get an efreet which we'll get to later I- I'm sure but like the efreet does both of those jobs the whole like moving up and clearing chaff out of the way and cleaning up stuff late game way better than than the flame bearers will in my opinion. Um in terms of a, like, directly comparable unit, you don't see a lot of units that only have an 18-inch shooting range. Uh, kind of the only one I could find was the the Nyad uh, Heart Piercers from Trident Realm and Forces of Nature. And Heart Piercers will cost you 20 points more to, to get a regiment than Flame Flamebearers. They also have Pathfinder and Ensnare, and they region on four up instead of five. So if you're looking to take a unit that will, you know, move up, do whatever they need to do for the scenario, live, and maybe shoot some things late game. Like, night Heart Piercers will do that job so much better for just 20 points more. So, I feel like, you know, Flame Bearers need something to help out. Like, they don't have Pathfinder, so they can't march straight to where they're going and then just camp for the game. Uh, they don't have Ensnare, so if something hits them, they're probably going to die. Uh, they reach it on a five up, which is okay, but, like, you know, like points comparison wise, it seems like the Flame Bearers are kind of underpowered for what you're getting. For the points compared to other similar units?
1: So, I've actually run Flame Bearers. I'm one of those few people, like I said, I've run them in tournaments and outside tournaments, and, and I think they're okay. I mean, I do agree that they don't seem on paper to be very priced as for as damage output if you just look at how much damage they're doing per turn. But they do work well in objective play, at, at like you said, moving up and maybe, you know, capturing that counter token that's on a hill that you can kind of move up to and start shooting the rest of the game. Um, I think I've found in my playtesting practice that they actually work better if you take a regiment, and specifically to take, like, two regiments. I think two regiments actually work really well together if you, like, kind of have them side by side, where you kind of reach this sort of, you know, enough enough mass, critical mass of shooting where you can actually point at units and, and expect to do a reasonable amount of damage to them, and kind of your opponent has to think twice about it. Yeah, it's going to cost, you know, double the points, but I think I think they work better that way. Uh, their nerve value and the regeneration is kind of right at this cusp where, like, your average unit that's going to hit them has about a 50-50 chance of breaking them. So they they are like surprisingly resilient as like for random charges. You, you know your opponent looks at shooter units they usually think they can take them out in one charge. I think it's not always the case with flame bears. So I have caught some people off guard with that where they. They kind of stall for a turn longer than they need to to get through them, and especially if you have tuners near each other. All of a sudden, you can start shooting at stuff and blocking stuff up, where, where they kind of get really annoying for your opponent. So, um, I, I do agree with the toolbox approach. I'm a huge fan and, and big fan of, of units that fulfill multiple roles. So, you know, if you're looking for scoring units that do damage, I think that these guys definitely have that. You know, have that job on lockdown, especially you know in a unique way in this list. You don't really have anything else that can do the same roles them.
4: Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the middle of uh, uh, Alex and Mike uh, I've never actually run flame bears myself they just don't fit they haven't fit the lists I've built um, I've seen others use them I see the benefit to them in certain builds and and I do think it's a very fair point that that uh, Alex pointed out that yeah uh, you know in a free uh, may be more point efficient at just damage output but with flame bears you're getting uh, objective holding units and and that's a big thing Um and it does make a difference, and it's worth those points uh, in the right list, but uh, they don't necessarily fit my place. So uh, I like the comparison with the heart piercers, and, and the thing there, the heart piercers didn't see a lot of play either until cock 19, you're starting to see them, because they got the formation where they can move and shoot, and I think something like that would make the Flame Bearers more of a, uh, something that would be an option for me to consider where, where you could actually move and shoot without penalty. Um, who knows? Maybe in the future we'll see something like that in their current form that haven't quite fit in my list. But I, I do think they're they're not a terrible unit. They're, they They fit certain builds.
2: Yeah, I think on the surface, to me, these read as kind of like what Alex was talking about, which is here's a unit that I have that can move up, sit on an objective, and still have something to do for the rest of the game. The only thing that sort of I begin to think about that is that 140 points is on like the higher side, right, for a unit for sitting on an objective. But um, I will definitely say the 1416 defense three with regen, having been playing a lot of Basilea lately, which is what the Phoenix is. As re, you know, uh, uh, a similar stat line is that uh, often it is more durable than what people think. They just think that defense three, they're gonna pound through it. But interesting unit definitely something that comes when inherent piercing for shooting is always nice. I know some people love them or hate them, but I don't, I, I dig the Mantic models for these little dudes. I think they're fun, uh, characterful models. Uh, when you've run them, um, Alex, what models have you used for flame bearers?
1: Yeah, I have the Mantic models. Yeah. I think, I think they're good. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they're like, you know, they're, they're, sort of a cool, I think fluffy, you know, demon throwing a fireball kind of model. And you know, it's, it's it's a flame berry, He's a guy throwing a flame at you, you know. You get exactly what you expect on the label, right?
2: Okay, well, next on the list, we have the Fleshlings.
4: Well, I'm happy to be reading these because I love Fleshlings. Uh, fleshlings come in troops, regiments, and hordes. They're Speed 5, Melee 5, Defense 4. Uh, they do have an uh, option to drop the uh, shields for two-handed weapons. Uh, To gain crushing strength, you uh, get 10 attacks in a troop, 12 in a regiment, 25 in a horde uh, with nerves of 10-12, 14-16 for the regiment, and 21-23 on the horde. Uh, They cost 65 for a troop, 90 in a regiment, and 150 for a horde. Uh, And the only special rule is the army special rule, Fury. I see these guys like better goblin rabble they don't have the yellow bellied uh can take up space they can hold objectives they can get in the way slow down a flank chaff up for things you don't want to be hit yet um they're just kind of do everything units and i love them
1: they're good yeah i mean there's no doubt that they're they're at a price point where they're pretty cheap for a regiment i mean one of the cheaper you know units in the game that you can actually get unlocks locks for you know i think um, compare them. to the Goblin Rabbles a good one. I think look at Rackin Regiments as well. The Regiment of Warriors. They're I think the same points, but you get more nerve here. So um, you know they're definitely a good buy. I think as far as units that you want to unlock stuff. If you're looking for unlocks, that they should be your first thing you should be looking at. And you know realistically they're not going to do much in your game as far as your battle plan goes. You're gonna they're gonna sit in an objective maybe, and that, that might be enough to win the game for you. But they're, they're definitely useful for that role. I think they they have specialized themselves in that. You know, cheap bodies roll, and they do that well for sure.
4: Yeah, and for me, when when the big toys cost so much, it's good to be able to put down some uh, some more cost efficient uh, nerve um, that can go out and survive and hold an objective if you need, uh, which these guys do. And you know, like. For me, I, I I don't ever really consider the crushing strength upgrade. I'm not expecting damage from these. I have other units to do damage. They're they're there to sit there with defense four and decent nerve and just hold spots, and uh, they do that job really well.
3: Yeah, so I I think I have different feelings about them than, uh, than than you guys. I think this is one of those instances where the like they are they are the middle of the road infantry option, right? They're they're like the Goldilocks infantry option in the list, right? Like you have uh, you have Larva, which can tar pit better. Uh, and you've got lower abyssals with uh, regen, and that can counterpunch better than them, uh, hitting on you know fours, whereas the fleshing sit on five. But you know, you like you said, Todd, you, you don't expect them to do any damage. So I feel like for the for the points, the points are better spent on the more specialized units here. Like if you want uh, if you want a tar pit that's not going anywhere, you should take larva. If you want an anvil that'll counterpunch, you should probably take lower abyssals. Like them for me, they're. They're just kind of lukewarm, um, and if I'm playing an army full of demons, why do I want to put a bunch of humans in the list? Um, it, you know, in terms of, of comparing them to other units, like yeah, Ratkin uh, Warrior Horde, I think costs. Uh, I think they cost five points less than a Ratkin Warrior Horde, uh, which is speed six uh, and gets rallying, uh, but does have a little bit less nerve. They do cost the same as uh, Missile Dwarf Slave Orcs, uh, which have one less nerve, but also have crushing strength one uh, and vicious without having to drop um, their defense down. But, you know, going from defense 4 to defense 3 isn't really that big a deal in this game. I feel like if your defense is 4, it might as well be 2, because anything serious that hits you is going to reduce that to 2s anyway. See, I just, I feel, I mean, I guess if you're trying to get a bunch of cheap bodies, um, you probably want to play an army other than abyssals because you've just got more interesting options you know, in in other parts of the list, but I guess if you really wanted that playstyle and you're really looking for cheap unlocks or cheap cheap unit strength, then sure, they're a fine option. But I I'm I'm always going to gravitate towards the more the more specialized units that'll do specific jobs better.
1: Yeah, I do want to clarify that. Like I do think the regiment is where they they fit that nice price point. I wouldn't take them in hordes pretty much ever i don't know how todd feels about that but i think the regiment they they feel that unlock role well where you just kind of like you need that one extra monster in your list or you know whatever it is i think they, they fit well for that um
4: yeah I, well i mean i have run the horde a couple of times but generally speaking i like to run uh regiments uh my thing is larvae are great for not dying and tar pitting but they're they're shambling in a in an army they slow down the lines too much for me and and they, the big thing is they don't unlock and i'm always starved for unlocks and so i really never have room for larva in my list and lower abyssals they're okay i run them occasionally i use them today in an event but uh anytime i can i'll take guard over lowers uh i i really love to play checkerboard infantry though uh a lot of my builds with abyssals i'll uh I'll run an infantry corps. I'll run anywhere from two to four Fleshling regiments with two to three Abyssal Guard regiments behind them. And then I have my elite fast stuff out on the flanks, and, and my infantry can hold, move up, hold objectives while my other stuff moves around flanks, threatens, exerts pressure. Um, and that, that, that's kind of play style I, I, I enjoy, and Fleshlings work great with it.
2: And when you look at it, 14-16, defense 4 for 90 points with Fury so basically you know it's dash 16 and melee for points wise in a list that where you're trying to get the unlocks for those big monsters it seems like the regiment is the side or is the 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 points for like net net value in the list is probably the sweet spot for these guys fleshlings too like when i'm thinking like fluff and modeling wise this is one of the abyssal units i think is like a really great idea i mean it's a, a really kind of uh fertile soil to build a unit like you could have the humans who are like flagellating themselves or they're worshiping the dark gods or whatever or you could have like little like little demons running around so it definitely seems like the fleshlings is a unit that you could go a lot of different ways model wise
4: yeah, uh, one of those units that don't have a Mantic model. And so there, there's a lot of things you can do model wise with them. Uh, the Fireforge Cultists kit is a really great kit uh, with a lot of character that I've seen a lot of people use. Uh, I've been running, I, I, a lot of my army is, you know, GW big monsters and such. And so I've been using the uh, Kyruk Acolytes, which really fit kind of that Zinchi Lord of Change kind of vibe. Um, they're great. Uh, I've seen people use uh, different ghoul, um, undead, slobbering kind of uh, creatures for them. Uh, There's a lot of things you you can go for for fleshlings, a lot of modeling opportunities.
2: Yeah, I was thinking one of the builds I was doing of doing like, you know succubi or whatever you could have like courtesans or like you could do you know of these sort of debauchery uh people given over to their deepest darkest secrets you know that's what my mind thinks about all the time you know but I have lots of problems so okay well next on the list we have uh definitely a sort of I wouldn't say notorious but definitely something you're probably going to see in almost every abyssal list I would think which are the gargoyles
1: yeah I'll, I'll talk about gargoyles um so I think, as everyone already knows and seen, they're, they're an infantry troop. That's the only option they have. And they're speed 10 flying. They are cost 80 points. They have regeneration 3+, plus, which is fantastic. And their defense 3, 8 attacks, melee 4, and their nerve with the Clash of Kings is 8-10. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to say about Gargoyles, I think. I think with the change of Clash of Kings, you know, 19, and it happened in 18 as well, right? So it's nothing new for us here. But um, I think they're, they're priced about right um, when, when you look at them now. They, they definitely die to, you know, a stiff breeze. But, you know, it's, it's, it's about using them effectively for, for chaffing your opponent. And they, they do chaff better than basically everything in the game just because they have so much speed for such a little point value. Um, I don't think gargoyles are necessarily a must-include in your army, i think it just depends on whether you're a chaff guy or if you're not a chaff guy i don't think everyone has to be a chaff you know i'm personally not a chaff guy i don't ask other people todd, are, you, are you a chaff guy todd do you tend to use these guys
4: um gargoyles make some of my list not all um i think i've only got one troop uh painted and tournament ready um i was toying with two and some current builds um but I, I prefer to use some other units we uh we'll get to a little later um
1: Right. What's the thing? Yeah. They're just like a cheap point value. Like, you can kind of throw in the way. You can, you can kind of grab an objective, maybe with them. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, and, and uh, if you guys listen to Brad McKay, for example, he has a unit car goals in his Twilight Kin, which, you know, one of the lists that girls are shared with. I think they're also in Abyssal Dwarves. And, you know, he said he uses them just to kind of grab a lithium objective most of the time. <laughs> like, they don't, they don't even see combat. or They don't even get near anything, which is perfectly fine. You know, the fact that they have the speed and, and sort of cheap value to kind of run away and, and do stuff like that is great. I mean, I've seen. I've seen some games where people use gargles on the flank by themselves, and you know they're getting a turn four rear charge, and that's that's fine too. You know, gargles, you know, they can do so much versatile things. I think that they're they're priced well enough that you can kind of you know put them off to the side and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on these guys later, and, and, and you'll be okay with it. You know, whether they're chaffing a super expensive horde or they're just kind of getting the way, they're definitely a good good value. I think. Overall,
4: they're obviously like the the premier chaff in the game. Maybe you know the beast pack might be up there close to them, but you know, point efficiency wise, they they are the best chaff. Uh, but you know, for me, they're not a must include because there's so many other speed options. Uh, you can really put enough speed on the table that you don't almost don't need chaff at times. If it's something that you need in your list, they they do it better than anybody.
3: Yeah, they cost they cost ten points less than herd. Harpies, which are basically a mirror unit, except the herd Harpies didn't um, get their nerve nerfed, but they also don't have regen. So yeah, like points efficiency wise, they're they're great. Uh, I love them. I usually take two. I like using them to screen other flying hammer units uh, because they can they can keep they can keep up with you know like a tortured soul unit or an archfiend easily and stay right in front of them. So you can, you can move those units up aggressively without having to worry about people uh, charging them. They tend to get shot to death uh, pretty early on by anybody with shooting, wisely. Uh, but then, you know, I, I use them to provide cover to the more important fragile units behind them so that they, they get into combat. So, you know, if if they die uh, taking shots uh, instead of, like, my, my tortured soul hammer, hammers, then they've, they've done their job because then the tortured soul hammers are, are going in fresh. And yeah, if if people make the mistake of not shooting them, or if they somehow you know fail to kill them with shooting in one turn because their nerve is just so low, uh, you know three up, three of regen will, will take pretty much all the wounds back off of them, and they're good at hunting uh, you know war machines on their own. If somebody's got an archer horde that's that's defense four, they can pretty reliably put a wound on an archer horde. Um, they can't reliably do things like ground dragons or anything like defense five. That's that you want them to get in the way of it and ground but uh like anything defense four like they got eight attacks on fours uh with vicious they'll pretty reliably put a wound on something to keep it from shooting back at you um yeah and you know like like everybody was saying like fly fly behind a, a building and sit on it on an objective t- till the end of the game hold a table quarter whatever like if people don't people don't kill them in the first two turns they are probably going to come back and bite them at some point before the game ends either by getting like you know, a juicy rear charge uh, off on something that, that already had some moons on it, or, or by holding an objective or something like that. So yeah, no, I I love them. I, I usually take two. Um, I think if I didn't want to play an army with gargoyles in it, I I would probably pick a different different army. You know, they 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 kind of sum up the uh, fast glass cannon kind of kind of thing, right? They're small, fast, maneuverable, kind of fragile, um, but if you give them time to work, they'll they'll come back and bite you
2: and they're just so cheap right i mean at 80 points for the for being able to fulfill multiple roles i always like to think of and i've talked about this on the show before where if something that costs 80 points that can do one thing is 80 points something that costs 80 points that can do two things is now 40 points per thing it does so it's like its value goes up and up and up and up the more stuff that a unit can do and 80 points is so cheap right just hiding it for the whole game i would think that you don't even really need them to get in combat in some games, that they are good just to hide behind stuff and then fly into a board section at the end of the game or, you know, do those things at the end of the game that the flying allows you to do?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think I think if I was a new player, I would tell, or if I was recommending to a new player, I would say take two units and list and, and kind of, you, you know, use them differently every game. Like I think that, that using Gargoyles effectively makes you a better player. I mean, not saying you have to include them in every list, but I think that using them would help you to kind of learn. You learn how to screen. You learn how to chase war machines. You le- just have this this great, you know. Like said, Todd said, always keep saying the toolbox approach to, to kind of playing abyssal. So I would definitely recommend them to new players to kind of. Get to learn them, and eventually you might drop them, because I do, like I said, I'm actually not a chaff guy myself, so I I actually don't drop them. I I go for the more points-efficient damage units, but, you know, I think that they have so many roles they can fulfill that I think that you're going to gain a lot by learning to use them well.
2: And that's a good point, right? Some units maybe are a little bit more user-friendly in that they can do multiple things. You can kind of learn what you can do with that unit as you're trying different things. So I think that that's an interesting idea of looking at units too. And not only are they good or not good, but what's the skill cap? Are, are they new new to the army, friendly? Are they you know new generals to the army? Are they fr- a friendly unit to pick and sort of your first go? And I know model-wise, I like the Mantic ones that they do. But my one experience trying to assembl- assemble them for my Abyssal Dwarf army, I was like, oh my gosh, never again. I mean the the just so much flash to clean off. I know Mike. Don't you don't you have the Mantic ones as your gargoyles in your army? I do.
3: I do. And uh, yeah, they were they were not fun to clean up. Um, I also didn't like that they were all like standing on a a pillar or like a stalagmite stalag type, whichever the one from the from the floor is. I forget. Uh, yeah, they're they're all like perched on something with with one foot. And I didn't like that look at all, so I actually went through and clipped them all off of that and put them on pins instead. It's just so weird that across so many different game systems, so many different armies have this this unit, right? Like, have, have this exact thing, little flying annoying thing. And there just aren't a lot of great models for it. Like, most people end up buying, like, Tyranid wings and putting them on some other small spindly-looking model that they like, right? Like, why hasn't anyone nailed this yet, you know? I mean, it's been 20 years of, of people playing games with these kinds of, you know, at least playing games with, with these exact kind of units in them. But I I can't think of like one solid one that that goes together well and looks good and you know whatever. So so hey, anybody out there in the gaming industry that's listening, make some solid like good looking harpy or gargoyle models and just market them as generic to anybody that plays any war games and you'll 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 have a winner.
1: I think that the end product of the gargoyles do look great. I mean, yeah, putting them together is terrible, but I think that they they look. Good for what you get, I think. I mean, I think I'm really like I'm a big fan of them personally. The, the,
4: the new alternate sculpt in the uh, Vanguard stuff uh, is also pretty cool. Um, I think it also is on some kind of pedestal. It looks like, but but it's a it's a cool different look to it. Um, and and one other thing I'll, I'll point out that some people I've seen some people use to me they're a little beefier and they're actually what I use for torture souls. Uh, but you could use them as gargoyles, Would be uh, from the War Machine line. In the Legions of Everblight, uh, you have a unit called the Blighted Grotesque Banshees, uh, and they're they're a pretty cool flying unit. Uh, like I said, they're a little beefy for torture for gargoyles for me, but I've seen people use them.
2: You know, and, and I'm a big fan of the uh, Daughters of Cain models for Age of Sigmar, and they have Canari har- har- Harpies, dark elf chicks with wings and spears and stuff, and their models are really cool and they're a little bit bigger. But since harpies are on like our uh, gar- gargoyles are on a little bit bigger base. Um, I think it works. Uh, They're pretty cool. I love all that line. That was going to, you know, I was going to use those for Twilight Kin, but now that I'm thinking of Abyssals, I think I'm going to take some of those beautiful snake ladies and work them into my Abyssal Army, but that's also a good range for sort of demonic type models.
3: The one weird gotcha with this unit um, is that they are not technically abyssals; They are Abyssal Dwarves, so they do not have Fury. They have Vicious, Um, and that can catch out um newer players because you know if if you get used to just assuming that that every army every unit in your army can always counter charge uh this is one of those where if the gargoyles happen to get get wavered in combat instead of getting killed which seems really unlikely given their nerve but on the rare occasion that it happens you know don't just be like oh no big deal i can still counter charge like this is one of the very few units in the army that can't do that
2: yeah that's a good point that's a good point to keep in mind um cool okay well next on the docket we have the larvae and it comes in two flavors it comes in a horde and a legion the stats in the horde are speed five melee six plus defense four plus 25 attacks they're dash 22 for 130 points uh in the legion you get 30 attacks they're dash 28 just like the name of our favorite website everyone go there um and they're 190 points but with that, you get Ensnare, they get Fury, and Shambling. Ensnare um, on dash 28, I mean, that seems like this This is the amount of points you're going to have to put into killing this in one shot is pretty high compared to the 190 points. Have you guys played with this unit at all?
3: Um, I, I don't. Uh, I know that some people do. I feel like, um, I think, Todd, you, you mentioned this already, like their Speed 5 and Shamble, in an army that has no access to Surge. So, you know, the fact that they have Ensnare and and, and so much Nerve, it it makes them a great tar pit, but you pretty much have to assume that they're going to be largely stationary. Like, they're not going to keep up with the rest of the army. Um, So if if you're playing a scenario where that's okay, and you need somebody to sit back and, like, play defense, like uh, Occupy, right? Like, you want a unit to park... On your your objective in your deployment zone that's worth two points to your opponent, uh, then yeah, ha- having larva is good for that. Or if you're playing uh, control and you want something to hold the the center square or whatever, or uh, you know there's there's a close objective you can walk on and stand still for for the rest of the game, like yeah, okay, they make sense and they fill that role pretty well. Uh, but I think it's just it's really list dependent and it's really play style dependent. Like you could take them or or, or you could try to fill that role with with something else. Um, you know, in terms of comparing them to other units, they, they cost the same as a zombie legion uh, or as a night or a scarecrow legion in the legion size. Um, and they all have, or at least the, the zombies have the same amount of nerve. The scarecrows, I think, have one less nerve. Um, but both zombies and scarecrows have, like, ten more attacks. Um, but they don't have ensnare. Um, and you don't really expect, like, zombies or scarecrows to do a whole lot of damage back either so i don't know that them having more attacks really really gives you that that much more um so yeah yeah, that's i think that's kind of how i feel about them if if you have a list that that wants an element that's going to stand still and never die uh then then larva are good but if you are playing invade you have wasted your points um i'm sure there's a couple other scenarios where like they will not contribute at all so like they're they're kind of situational
4: they just don't fit for me um the one place I've seen them use the most, and where they are actually outstanding, was in being that tar pit front for a uh, the, the Cronius Afreet spam breath stuff. And I've seen players use that really well. Uh, I'm the player who never used Cronius until Cock nineteen, and so they just they, that being that slow, um, they just don't fit my style uh, for my list.
1: Yeah, I agree with all the thoughts so far. I mean, I think that you definitely need a, a very specific playstyle. I mean, even the, the kind of what I talked about earlier, a couple of units of flame bearers work pretty well with larvae. I Maybe mean, if you kind of you know have them parked on a hill and have some Larva kind of in your middle from the core of your line, that works well. But again, I mean, the, my, my biggest problem with them is that melee six up. I mean, that's that's just terrible. I mean, like no matter how you slice it, I mean, even zombies have a melee five up. Like they at least do something in combat. These guys just do zero output. So. I don't know man it's too specialized a role for me to like be useful I mean if you had higher speed then they could at least like get in the way but you know they're they're slow and and they don't do any damage and, and you know I th- I learned the lesson a lot with dwarves I mean if you're going to give up um your speed and you're going to give up like your your ability to do damage I mean yeah they're tough enough but you're just not going to threaten enough in the game to actually win I don't think but um again you need like to kind of build the whole list around them if you're going to take them
2: and the one, thing nice, the one thing that's nice about the zombies, too, is that even if you never surge them, you always have the threat of surge, and 80 attacks is a lot different than 40 attacks on fives, you know, of getting somewhere And with this with, without the threat of being surged, it doesn't make them quite with that speed five, you know, zombies are speed five too, but the ability to surge makes that speed, speed five a little bit more dynamic.
1: Oh, zombies will will mess you up. If you if you underestimate the zombies, they will destroy you. Yeah, I mean, I, I love nothing more than seeing zombies kill stuff. I mean, these guys just can't do it. So it's a, my biggest problem is so they just they just never do damage. And and like on principle, maybe alone, I just don't take units. that don't do damage. Like I just think that that's kind of just not going to work for you as a long term strategy. Well,
4: I, I've seen I've seen them work amazing in list. Uh, Jeff Swan took them all the time. Uh... But but what you like I said you know you you move them up you don't you don't care about wounds because you're not even going to countercharge you're going to park them in woods or behind a fence and uh, just sit there and you're not even going to countercharge so people are minus two coming in at you meanwhile Cronius is firing over you and and Frees are dancing around you putting on the wounds uh, but that that's one thing where with uh, the change to Cronius that we will come to a little later. Uh, I I think cock 19 kind of kills any role in the army for larva to me. Maybe someone can prove me wrong, but I just don't think they fit anything that the army does at this point.
3: Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think, I think John Vanoss did use them in his master's list. um, And I think he kind of used them the the way we've been talking about, like pointed it, pointed at something relevant to the scenario, assume it'll get there by the end of the game. Otherwise don't, don't expect it to do anything else, um, which I think is kind of a shame because I feel like the modeling options here are kind of fun, right? Because you have you have this huge legion base where like the description is kind of vague. You could just make any kind of just bloody, messy horror show-looking thing you wanted to on it, right? Like worms or or eviscerated corpses or like all kinds of like torture scenes, like whatever, right? You could you could kind of go nuts. With it and say, yep, those are abyssal larvae. They're just disgusting little little monstery things. Um, but yeah, no nobody takes them. It's kind of a shame. Yeah,
4: yeah. My, modeling wise, I wish I could remember who did it so I could give them credit here on the cast. But someone uh, within the last year did a, a great unit of them where he they kind of rolled out the snakes like you see a lot of people do for the bloodworms, but uh, attached like zombie and ghoul heads to them. Is these sort of larval demonic creatures coming up and it was a
3: really great unit
2: cool okay well moving right along next on the list we have are the lower abyssals
3: uh yeah lower abyssals so uh they are an infantry unit Uh, you can take a troop a regiment or a horde Uh, they are speed five they are melee four they are defense four and a troop they have 10 attacks And a regiment they have 12 and in a horde they have 25 uh the troops nerve is 10-12, the regiment is 14-16, and the horde is 21-23. A troop will cost you 85 points, a regiment will cost you 120, and a horde will cost you a nice, even around 200 points. Uh, They have fury and uh, regen 5 up, which again you see on most proper uh, abyssal infantry units. Uh, And you have the option to exchange their shields for two-handed weapons, like you do on a lot of units, which uh, lowers the defense to 3, but gives them Uh, crushing strength one um so i usually take a horde of these and uh i like them they're a they're a good anvil unit that'll counter punch well um they're good for unlocks they're good for providing you some unit strength uh they're they're good at you know carrying tokens for things like push or sitting on objectives uh i pretty much always take the the crushing strength one upgrade because again like i don't think there's that much difference between defense three and defense four in this game, anything that hits you that's gonna that that's a serious hammer is gonna be crushing two, or you know, crushing one thunderous one anyway. Um, and the regen five up will make up that difference over a couple of turns anyway. Like the the fact that they have regen and a and, and a nerve of twenty one twenty three as as a horde is is really what gives them staying power and not not having defense four over three, um, and having fury I think also helps them because again, like the kind of the role these these guys end up filling in, in my list is like an anvil that can still counter punch. Um, I will usually keep a Harbinger with the Banechant loot around them to inspire them and cast Banechant on them. So, so when they do counter punch, they're, they're counter punching at uh, crushing strength two. Um, I, f- I, find they, they hold up pretty well. Um, when you compare them to other like similar units, um, they cost the same as uh, a horde of undead revenants, which are fearless and have a little bit more nerve. I don't think the fearless thing matters all that much because again, uh, they have fury, um, I think the revenants are defense five, um, but the revenants uh, don't have regen, so I think those two things kind of balance out. So I think you know they're they're kind of comparable to uh, to revenants, except they're they're not shambling, so you can march with them. If you compare them to something a little more mundane, like I think League of Vordia has a city militia that costs like 35 points less, but has uh, less nerve and doesn't have regen or fury. Uh, so like the 35 point trade off there is kind of not. Not worth it. Like I would rather have Regen and, and, and Fury than, than 35 points. So I think like uh, points wise, compared to other like light infantry hordes, they're they're pretty good. They're they're pretty well costed, um, and I usually put them you know like right right in the middle of the board and, and let them be that that threat that's kind of slowly moving up the middle of the table while the the faster stuff um, does its thing on the flanks. They're 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 that that kind of ever present counter charge or flank charge threat in the middle if you if, if you turn to face to face
1: a flank. I'm a big fan. I think that if you look at their nerve regeneration combination, that is actually one of the highest nerves you'll ever see for, for Generation five plus. And that's speaks a lot to like their ability to really just take a hit. I think, um, I also agree with Mike, I think going down to events three with the crushing makes them a little bit more dual purpose. They can actually put out some damage, and I'm just a big, big fan of the unit. I mean, I think for 200 points, what you get out of them is, is a really tough unit that can they can take a punch and also, you know, threaten to do some damage. I mean, I've I've had these guys kind of carry me as far as, as, you know, I've had them take rear charges and survive. I've had them do damage when they weren't supposed to and, and, and kill stuff. I think really, really versatile. I, I highly recommend one unit to every missile player, you know, new or old, you know, try them out and see how they do because to me, they're just super solid. I mean, and also, I mean, Fury on them is fantastic as well. I don't think we've really talked about that much, but Fury as an army-wide rule is really, really awesome. I mean, I think it's one of the main things that actually attracted me to the list is the ability to be consistent with this army is that, you know, if your unit holds, you're counterpunching with everything. So this is the epitome of a unit that, you know, wants to get charged, wants to take some damage, wants to regenerate it, and then come back with Fury and hit you back with crushing, you know, doing some wounds back, you know, this really can outgrind you. I mean, I've had couple games this past masters where i they, they were my mvp they kind of outgrounds you know or grind say like people that that were you know able to kind of try to charge them and, and they just do that so well
4: they're they're a good unit i do run them occasionally um for for me if i'm looking for for a melee unit like that i generally prefer more elite style like the abyssal guard um and I'll take the opposite side to, to you guys. Uh, to me, I would ne- I almost never would drop to to defense three. Um, when you consider all the shooting that's out there, um, being wounded on twos versus threes um, against piercing shooting um, is a big deal. Um, I, I, if I do take a horde of these guys, I want them surviving. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm almost, all, almost always going to keep them at defense for myself. And so, yeah, they, 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 they certainly have a role. They're certainly a good unit. They're a good value. Um, I tend to build my lists differently and, and prefer the, the better, more specialized units than these guys.
1: Yeah, they they are sort of jack of all trades, and I think I think what you said speaks a lot. Like if if they're getting shot, you know, it depends what's in the rest of your list. I mean, I've I've built most of my pistol where if my opponent shoots my lower pistols, I'm I'm like, you know, I'm sticking on the side like cheering. I'm like, hell yeah, like that's awesome. So you know, if I can lower the defense and entice them to shoot them a little more, like I'm, I'm excited, right? So like, it just depends on what else is in your list that you know whether you want to reduce that or not. But because I do agree that it does make them a lot weaker versus shooting.
3: Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way as Alex. If if in the first half of the game, you know, if if somebody is pointing all their shooting at my lower bissels, I'm I'm trying to maintain my poker face, right? Because like a smart opponent is going to get rid of all of my fast stuff, you know, first first they're going to shoot the gargoyles to death or the hellhounds or something like that. Then they're going to worry about the efreets that are in their face breathing on them. Then they're going to worry about the hammers that are about to hit them. Um if they're shooting at lower Abyssal, they're not killing any of that stuff that's that's really about to smack them in like one turn and do damage, um, and I just don't feel like that that one point of defense makes all that big a difference because you'll probably regen enough of it by the time you get across the table anyway. I mean, they have so much nerve; it's not like anybody's going to kill them in like one turn with shooting, or pr- probably in two turns unless they brought a lot of shooting. And again, if they brought that much shooting and this is the unit they're trying to take off the table first, then. You know, I feel like I should I should correct them, right? Like I feel like they're playing wrong. I think I really want to see one of Todd's lists because it sounds like you you play this army totally differently from me, and I'm really intrigued by like how you put one of these things together. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to when we get through all the units and you can talk through one of your lists because uh because it's it's not a style that that I've used to see in. But uh...
2: that comes from us uh, social workers. We're all special snowflakes. so we got we got to have our unique lists okay um and i know sometimes uh i've seen people when they run this and they drop the shields i know i think john vanoss i want to say had brew of strength on his lower abyssals so just i guess doubling down on there trying to turn them into another sort of backup threat a second line threat besides all your fast stuff that can do a little punchy punch uh you guys ever run, run run items on this unit
3: um, I usually don't, because I want to keep them as cheap as possible at 200 points, and I usually will have somebody with Banechant nearby, um, so yeah, it's, it, instead of spending, like, the, what is it, 30 points for, for Crushing Strength 1, I would rather have someone that can put Banechant someplace where it needs to be, uh, on turn, like, three, when the fast stuff is charging, because they're probably not going to need it until, like, the turn after that, or maybe the turn after that, like, turn four or five. Uh, if they're taking their time getting across the table. So I feel like, you know, in, in terms of getting the most use out of your points, I would rather... I, I just tend to go that way with it because it gives me a little more flexibility rather than expecting these guys to get into combat and punch something really hard, you know?
2: We're going to move right along. Next, we have um, another sort of kind of well-known unit for the Army. We have the Succubi.
4: Yeah, so the Succubi are um, Speed 6... Melee 3, Defense 3. They come in a troop and a regiment. Uh, The troops get 20 attacks. The regiments get 25. Uh, The nerves are 10-12 on the troop and a 14-16 on the regiment. And for their special rules, they get Ensnare, Fury, and Stealthy. And then, of course, you have uh, the formation available for them. Uh, which is the Fire Legion, where you can take uh, two Succubi troops, two regiments, and an Abyssal Temptress, which is sort of the hero Succubi. Um, the formation cost in Cock 19 is 35 points, and for that you get Vicious on all the units, uh, and the, Abys- the Temptress becomes very inspiring, Succubi only. And so they are a very strong unit. uh, they have decent speed, better than the, our other uh, melee units, uh, or infantry units. Uh, they have, with the ensnare and the stealthy, they're going to you know, degrade your opponent's attacks. Uh, you can stick them in, in woods, put them behind a wall, and anyone who wants to come into them is going to be minus two to hit. And then they just unleash the Fury with uh, that high-volume attacks, that, that Berserker kind of style. And so they're a great unit. I, I actually haven't run them, although I've wanted to build a, a different style list around them for a while. Um, and that's something I may do in the next year here. Um, I personally don't care for the formation. I think uh, paying that many points for units with 10-12 uh, Nerve uh, I, I just, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. And then paying more points, leaning into that further with, uh, the formation costs. It's not something I see value in, uh, personally. Uh, but, but as far as the, the regiments of them go, they are, they're awesome. They're great
3: yeah I think I think I agree with you about the the formation I think the like you say the troops are just too brittle you know if it was if it was three regiments of Secubi, maybe but then then you're running a really seriously in, infantry heavy list so yeah I think I I think I'd leave the formation um, yeah, I, or, I or if they
4: did it. something like with the soul Reaver uh, formation uh, in last year where you got uh, the the infantry or the units got fearless I, I i could take a dash 12 true but that 10 12 is just yeah i can not
1: agree with that more dude that the fearless would have been so much a better upgrade for them i mean vicious is like cute it's like yeah you get to hit harder but like you already hit kind of hard right you don't really want that you want them to like you know not get wavered or you want them to you know make it to combat that, that's kind of their biggest challenge right like they always want to get to combat so i'm I'm a huge fan of succubi i mean i think um my, my This year matches, I actually took three units because I found the, the redundancy of taking so many of them kind of make sure that, like say so I can lose one, I can lose two, that they're what makes and they comment. I mean, they have a lot of good stats, and I think, honestly, I think they're actually not as well-known. As, as I know Jeremy said they're kind of a well-known unit, but I think most opponents actually don't run into them very often. So I've got people off guard with them a lot where they're not... They're just not used to handling that, that much attack in a regiment base, right? Like, it's just a lot of damage that, that comes out of them. Um, you know, I think that they're a really good answer to a lot of the, you know, I I come kind of call the trash builds that you see, like the the list that want to spam a lot of, of kind of hordes of the like Goblin, Ratkin, and, and stuff that you'll, you'll run into. Like, they can just... Move through things so quickly that it's a very unique option the list that that you know damage output wise can, can do really good damage um, one of the problems with them I think is that they don't they can't deal with defense the high defense very well right they have no crushing what to speak of and yeah you can give them proof of strength and stuff but that makes them really pricey and I don't know if that's really the way to go with them it just just kind of depends on what you're looking for as far as your list whether you want a very very elite list or, or something that you know has more options
3: yeah, I agree. I I used to run one regiment of them uh, with with brew of strength, um, and that that was kind of pricey. And I eventually dropped them. They're I think they're they're really good in infantry based lists, and and especially like like Alex was saying, like they're the they're the uh, trash collector unit. You know, uh, 25 attacks and non threes. If you're dealing with things that are that are low defense, you know, you, you can mow through them. Uh, in in terms of comparing them to like other similar units, you don't see Units similar to them very often. Uh, in looking through, like I think the elves have a unit called Hunters of the Wild uh, that have the same uh, number of attacks but hit on fours instead of instead of threes. Twilight Kin Blade Dancers, however, cost ten points more than than Succubi, and for that they get plus one speed. They go speed seven. They have one more nerve. Uh, and They have brutal, headstrong, and vicious. So, like comparing succubi to to blade dancers, like blade dancers are just way better for the points. If you want this kind of units and you're not tied down to playing abyssals, maybe take a look at uh, twilight kin because you might you you might get a better uh, better result with with them there. If you're playing in you know that that kind of trash meta where you gotta you gotta chew through a lot of goblin hordes, you gotta chew through a lot of ratkin hordes or something like that.
1: Yeah, and that's what I think multiple units works really well. I mean, one, one sort of. Tip I get from my army and that that I used a lot is when you're playing against the shooting armies, which you know is a big issue for missiles. I think um, you want to make sure that you put these guys away from terrain. Where where um, the ideal ideal matchup there is to kind of put them directly opposite of a unit of let's say a, a horde of archers, right? So um, if you do that and if you give your opponent the first turn, uh, your opponent is caught in this awkward position where he can he can move up and try to shoot your succubi the first turn, in which case he's hitting you on sixes. And then on your turn, you get to move up twelve and actually put yourself within charge range of, of of his archers. So he has the option of either trying to you know sit there and shoot you again, or he can try to back up and hit you on sixes again. So so actually, there's a lot of things you can do as far as putting the right spot and kind of playing around their movement. But I think you want to make sure you definitely avoid terrain with them and just kind of keep them clear. Um, you know, their damage outputs is really good if you, if you can make sure they get clean charges.
4: Hey, I'll come back and just. Toot their 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 horn a little bit more. Uh, I I I, I kind of disagree with, with Mike's comments a, a bit here um, about looking for something else or going towards Blade Dancers uh, or, or Kin if you want to run that style list. Succubi are great. They can they're they're game winners. Uh, probably still the most successful uh, run by any Abyssal's player uh, was. Uh, Used one to two regiments of them constantly. Uh, Jeff Swan, the first year and a half or so, there, um, his lists were all built around succubi. Um, they're they're amazing units. They they do get underestimated a lot, and that that ensnare means a lot.
2: Yeah, one of the local guys uh, who plays uh, abyssals here uses them all the time. That's why I guess like they're more familiar to me. Maybe not to everyone who plays against them, but I play against these stupid things all the time, and they just like chew through so much, especially backed up by like a, a bane chan or something like that. They're just uh, lawnmowers. but and also a cool uh, a cool option for models, right? You could do the mantic ones, or you could do any sort of like female warrior or demonic thing or you could do a lot of different things with this unit i think model wise
4: yeah uh obviously the gw daemonettes are another one uh raging heroes has the praying mantis which is another similar style uh i caution they're they're almost closer to like 22 millimeter they're they're pretty small i bought them to use but they're cool cool sculpts Uh, But there's a a lot of cool modeling opportunities out there that you can find for them.
3: Yeah, I bought the uh, Raging Heroes, uh, Mantis, uh, Elves, or whatever they were called as well, specifically to use the Succubi. Uh, And, like, the resin is just so tiny, like, and and difficult to glue together. Like, after, I I think I assembled, like, maybe four of them and then gave up because it was just taking so long... To get them together because they were just so spindly, but they would be really cool looking if somebody put the put the time into it.
2: Yeah, Raging Heroes is one of those companies. You know, uh, I'm using their angels for my aloha, and like anything smaller size, and they're small, right? They're supposed they're supposed to be large infantry, but they are on the smaller side. I find anything that's the regular infantry size on that company is just so hard to deal with. That's like you spend all, like I remember one time I was heating and trying to bend a sword back and like spent an hour and 15 minutes assembling a model only to have it break on the last three seconds of where I was almost fully straight and I should have just left it and then it breaks. Uh, so uh, really cool company design wise, but they are uh, a level, you got to be prepared for the, the level of hobby that it's going to take to assemble those, but still, still pretty cool models. Okay, so next on the list we have the Abyssal Guard.
1: Yes, Abyssal Guard. They are an infantry troop as well. They have a troop and regiment options speed 5, melee 3, defense 5. The troops have 10 attacks, regiment has 12. And the nerve on the regiment, which I think you'll see most often, is 15, 17 at 160 points with the. Famous miss Fury-regeneration combination, so regeneration 5-plus on them as well. And now they have the option as well, which they can drop their defense down to 4 for an extra crushing. Um, I think that option is fine um, if you want to take it. I think you can or, or don't. You know, you can take it or not take it. I think either one is perfectly viable. Um, they're, they're a good regiment. I think overall they, they do... They're the, probably the most balanced unit in the army. They have, you know, the right nerve combination, the right defense and attack. Where they're they're actually melee three, which is actually you know less common you would think in this list. Most um, list actually hits on melee four up. So the more you look at it, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that they definitely are a good mixed bag. I used to use them quite a bit as a regiment, um, uh, kind of in lower point values. When I when I, I learned, actually quite, quite a bit of like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred points of pistols, and I used there used. Couple of regiments quite a bit. Um, as it got to the bigger point, I ended up kind of leaning more towards the lower bissels, which I think are just have a little more value in the horde size um, versus the regiment. But I mean, for for if you're if you're looking to kind of skim points and get more drops on the table, I think that the, the regiment's bissels guard do it very well. Um, they like, like I said, they they do fit that role of a, sort of a medium unit that your opponent has to deal with. Um, it really does depend on what you're fighting against. You know, it, it's it's that package of regeneration. If they can't deal with that nerve regeneration combo and you would be healing all those wounds back, and, and really kind of getting the most of your opponent. So if you can spread them out and kind of get in that play style where, where you're, you know, using a lot of the units, I think it would really, really shine. Um, kind of curious to hear what you guys think about them.
3: I think Todd and I have a very different opinion of this unit. I think we've had this discussion in the Abyssal group uh, before as well. I th- I think they're kind of, eh, you know, uh, I th- I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with it, Alex, when you said like they're they're the balanced unit. And I think for me that that makes them uninteresting because they're not they're not really good enough at any one thing, uh, in my opinion. For my style of lists, I can understand how if somebody's playing like uh, an infantry style list, having these guys to you know come in and like like stand back a little bit and come in and flank something uh, makes sense. Um, but that's just not the style that I play. And so for me, like I want a more reliable. Anvil that'll counterpunch the front well and I think lower missiles do that better because they got more attacks. And you know, when you when you do the, the points comparisons to, to similar units in other armies, they, they tend to come out on the on the losing end. They so they feel a little overcosted to me. Like Elf Palace Guard and Ken Reaper Guard cost ten points less and are are one faster, like they're they're moving six instead of five. And they're either elite or vicious, which I think helps their their damage output a lot. So, like, for, for me, I, I don't know, I just feel like, uh, even when you compare them to something like uh, Baselian Paladin Foot Guard, which also co- counts, uh, costs 10 points less, you know, Baselian Paladin Footguard have Headstrong, uh, while, while the Missile Guard have Fury, so those are two abilities that kind of do the same thing. Um, A Missile Guard have Regen, and Baselian Paladin Foot Guard have Iron Resolve, so again, like, two, two things that, that kind of do the same thing. Uh, so why are the Foot Guard 10 points cheaper than they are, right? Like, why, why aren't they the same price if they have basically compatible stats and stuff? So for for me, I think maybe if they were a little bit cheaper. I would like them better, or if uh, they were a little faster, maybe if they were speed six like the succubi. Maybe I would like them better then. But but for me, like, I could just never find a good role for them in, in my list because they're just a little too well rounded, but not super good at any one thing. Uh, but again, like mileage will totally vary. I'm sure it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit my, my play style. Um, and now I'm sure Todd will tell us, uh, how to actually get value out of them that I've just never been able to find.
4: Yeah. I mean, these, I can't count how many times these guys are my MVPs more, more often than not. Uh, I love elite infantry. Um, I've seen people run them as defense five and get great value from them. Uh, you know, going back to Jeff Swan, uh, his his big run, uh, very successful running abyssals, he would always have at least a, uh, or usually have at least a, a regiment of the guard. Uh, he'd run them at defense five. Uh, for me, I like my chuckleboard pattern. Again, I'm going to have, you know, some lower abyssal, or uh, uh, some fleshlings fronting for these guys, and I'm going to have anywhere from two, three regiments of abyssal guard behind. I like the crushing upgrade. Uh Twelve attacks on threes does a lot more work than people think. Fifteen, seventeen nerve. Stick a stick a standard bearer with a banner. Sixteen, eighteen nerve with with regen. It lasts all day for me on these guys. When people have to turn to my fast flanks, you know, the, uh, it opens up places for these guys to get in and do work. They they live all day. I just I, I love the guard.
3: I think that's the thing I could just never figure out how to do right with them. Is that that flank? threat with them you know like they 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 hit an anvil and bounce off so you so you flank something or or you you pincer with them that was something i could just never get to work and i could totally see how if you can make that work then they're they're golden right because like 24 attacks on a flank hitting on threes with crushing one will ruin somebody's day
2: and i do definitely like regen five you know on defense five i mean regen and even on defense four you know as long as you take six wounds it's better than iron resolve And if you're taking that, you know, someone still needs an 11 twice to break you. Um, And having played uh, Headstrong, it's the worst thing in the world when you, like, the one turn you're going to need it is the turn you're going to get a 1. Next on the docket, we have uh, one of the newer Abyssal units from the Clash of Kings. Sort of the specialty flavor version of Succubi. It's an irregular unit, and it's the Succubi Lurkers. You can get these guy or these ladies in either troops or regiments. They're speed 7, so they're a little faster. Uh, melee 3+, defense 4. The troop has 20 attacks. The regiment has 25 attacks. The troop is 10-12. The regiment is 14-16. They're 160 and 225. And for that, you get ensnare, uh, fury, and stealthy, but you're also getting pathfinder. Have you guys—I know this is a newer unit. Have you had a chance to mess around with these yet?
1: I've got one game with them in Rob Belton. and I don't jump the gun too much on these, but I'll say—I don't know if anyone else has yet, but uh, I, I like them a lot. I mean, I think basically everything we've said for Succubai applies to them basically the same way. The, the big advantage there is that, you know, you're getting the speed seven, so you're able to, to be pretty aggressive with them, and then, you know, the Pathfinder's— Absolutely amazing with this unit. I mean, everything I said last time I talked about was avoid, you know, terrain, avoid, you know, that goes the exact opposite with these guys. You can run them, you know, into terrain where you now, you know, you're double tapping on your stealthy, you're in snare, you get to get all the benefits of those things twice now. You know, in terrain and able to charge out with no penalty on yourself. Phenomenal unit. I'm a big, big fan of the lurkers, and I'm I plan to take a couple of them actually in and, and list. Them I'm going to run this year, so we'll see how that does.
3: Yeah, I've never gotten the chance to, to play them, um, but the plus one defense, Pathfinder, and plus one speed for 35 points is is really good value. They're irregular, so I don't know that you'll ever see more than one of them um, in the list because, again, like you've heard all of us say it, getting unlocks is, is, is kind of a problem, Um And uh, earlier when I talked about taking a look at uh, Kin Blade Dancers, that wasn't necessarily meant to uh, Poo-Poo Succubi. That was uh, more meant to uh, set the stage for how much better Lurkers are for the points. Uh, Because I think now, uh, since they're the same speed as the equivalent Elf units, um, but with Pathfinder and I think a little bit more Nerve... um, and a little bit more defense. Like, I think I think this unit compares, like, more favorably. Like, it's is actually better than the, the elf equivalents.
2: Yeah, with these type of units, I like to look at it the same way, in that I take it versus the other one, and think about, would I, if I took a regiment of Succubi, and there was an, a magic item that cost 35 points, and that magic item would give, and it was a magic item only for Succubi, and it would give them plus one speed, plus one defense, and Pathfinder is 30 would i spend 35 points on that item and most of the time that answer is yes i would spend 35 points for for that sort of item
4: yeah no i haven't had a chance to use them yet uh but i love them uh i played against them uh with somebody the other day and they are really good um I'm I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing for Lone Wolf, and I'm toying with some ideas where I might have one to two units of these guys in there. Um, it is hard to get up to two, but I'm 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 still trying to figure out my list. But yeah, the, they they have a definite place. They're they're really good, and getting up to the defense four just that extra survivability of the Pathfinder to be able to not worry about stuff. Love them.
3: Yeah, and I think the the plus one defense if you do the math on the points, basically works out to be free. Um, because because the, the items to give you Pathfinder and plus one speed themselves, if you put them together, cost 35 points. Um, so, yeah, just great value. Great great value for the points on the upgrade. Yeah, and,
4: and, I mean, we, we kind of touched on the defense thing earlier, but I, I'm, I'm team defense four makes a difference. Uh, and so... I have wanted, I said earlier with the Succubi, I've wanted to kind of build around Succubi for a while. That defense 3 scares me off a little bit, but but I'm a
3: lot more comfortable with defense 4. God, especially with Ensnare, right? Like, that's a great combo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the elite units that want to hit you and shoot you, right, like that, that, that Ensnare stealthy is perfect against them and the thing i like about it is that they they have the instead of stealthy to counter the elite builds or they have the tax and damage up with the counter the sort of you know horde build so they, they're really to me they're, they're perfect you know sweet spot where they kind of can can deal with both types of armies really well um, if there's like one infantry unit that
3: that you can just say that is like the idealized abyssal infantry unit or this is th- this is like the quintessential one that like sums up the army like this is your glass hammer right here right like it's beat seven it hits hard doesn't have great defense but it's got these other cool special rules that, that make it so it doesn't matter they're still going to get in there and they're still going to hurt you before they before they die or or take you with them one way or the other so like yeah no, I think yes. this, is, this, this might be one of those like halo units that uh that jeremy was talking about
1: that's exactly it. I mean, I get to say that with the sexy barrel, but like I said, these are the epitome of the glass cannon, which is what I want out of abyssals. I want a unit that which hits you so hard, you know, you don't know what happened. <laughs> that, that's exactly it.
4: And I love them. Model-wise, I love the models for them. I, I wish they were easier to get a high volume of them yet at this point, but... Uh, those Vanguard sculpts for for these guys are awesome.
2: Um, let's say you guys didn't have any specific models. What are some other hobby ways you think you could do? Maybe do like an inverted color scheme if you were running these, and also regular succubi, or maybe like some more stuff on the base to make them look like they're moving through terrain or something. Or what do you think would be ways to kind of make these different from regular succubi?
4: For me, I'd I'd, I'd look at maybe trying to green stuff, some cloaks on, or finding finding some kind of alternate cloak you could
3: you could. Uh, kitbash onto them the cloak would be cool i think um if you could make them look like the elite unit like i don't know if you could make them look more decorated but like maybe like depending on your color scheme maybe they have some gold on them if your regular succubi uh sec- don't just just to you know signify that like these are the fancier ones
2: cool okay next on the list we have um another irregular unit we have the imps
3: the imps uh, so, imps, imps are a large infantry unit, but that's just for the base size. They're, they're supposed to be a swarm, I think. You can get them in a regiment or a horde. Uh, they are speed 5, uh, melee 5+, uh, defense 3+. They have 12 attacks in the regiment, 24 in the horde. Uh, the regiment's nerve is 1113, and the horde is 1416. A uh, regiment will cost you 70 points, and a horde will cost you 105. Uh, they have Fury, as all good Abyssal units do. Uh, they are height zero, which is kind of their their trick. Um, and they also come with Vicious. I have never given this unit serious consideration. Uh, they just don't really fit my playstyle. style. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone use them. Uh, usually with, with units like this, like I want them to be able to screen or provide cover to a a height two unit but since they're like height zero i don't know that they do a great job at that anymore or maybe i'm forgetting how those rules work now but they're kind of slow um hitting on fives i don't understand what what value vicious really brings to them since they hit on fives um and i feel like their their defense and and nerve is just kind of too low to be an effective tar pit um and they're, they're irregular so like We've we've talked and talked about unlocks like taking them doesn't doesn't give you unlocks. I don't know. I think they they definitely don't fit my my play style at all. And I think when when you compare them to um, units that take a similar role in in other lists, they don't look they, they don't look super favorable. Like um, I think like Ratkin Vermintide are are a pretty good analogy uh, and the Ratkin ones are are uh, 15 points cheaper. Uh, and Speed 6, because all the all the Ratkin stuff is Speed 6.
1: Yeah, I think you, I think you get more consideration than you deserve to be honest. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to waste too much time. I, I don't like them at all. I mean, I'm not really fitting anywhere in the list. I, I just think they just look elsewhere. I mean, they just don't have any useful.
4: Thirded... Uh... It, 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 I, actually, if you put this profile in, in Ratkin, I might take it over Vermintide at times, uh, being a little more hitty. Where I think this really fails, though, is the idea here, I think, is that they're your chaff for your Molochs. Well, the Molochs have the 150-wide base uh, unit base, though, and these guys are only 120, so you're not even guaranteeing to protect yourself. You're just preventing double charges, I guess, at that point, and yeah, imps are just a, they're, they're a fail.
2: Cool, well we're just going to move right along then Uh, Nothing to see here So next I know is a unit that Todd has a love-hate relationship with And that is the Molochs
4: Yes, the Molochs Uh, This is one of the units that brought me to the army And one of the units that makes me the saddest in the army Uh, They are a large infantry unit They come in regiments and hordes Uh, They are speed 5, melee 4, defense 4 uh, the regiment gets 12 attacks, the horde has 24. Nerve point of twelve fifteen on the regiment and fifteen eighteen on the horde. They're going to cost you 130 points for a regiment, 200 for a horde. Uh, they get brutal, crushing 2, fury, uh, and regen 5 up. The regen 5 up it can be helpful somewhat with their uh, survivability, but the big issue with them is, um, I think if you really look at comps against other units, they're not, they're, they're not getting value for that extra base, and that 150 wide base just kills them. Um, also, putting points into them, they become a, they, they do project real threat. Uh, if they hit something, they're going to hurt it. Um, and because of that and that soft uh, defense four, they become a big target for shooting. It, they're they're just rough. I know uh, Nick Williams and I both tried to make them work last year because they had the regen added. I ran them at a lot of events. I took them. To, I took a two hordes to Lone Wolf, um, and the moment round six started and I saw I was facing uh, Elfin shooting spam, I knew I was taking the L. If you have enough other fast targets that that maybe project more threat, maybe, but they, they just they they never make they, they they never live up to their promise for me they they make me sad because there's some great models out there for them
1: yeah i'm, I'm a big fan of the models too i was gonna say like i actually like the manic ones too i think i think they're actually pretty cool and i think um you know that, that's a great like I, I think it's a cool model i think it's a cool demon ogre you know that, that's what you want but i have to I have to agree with a lot of supposed also to disagree with a lot of it um you know, I, I do agree that I don't know why they're on a 50 by 50 base. It just, I I, I just look at it like, you know, you only have three times you want, it. it just doesn't make sense. Like, there's just not, there's no reason for it, and, and it really kind of hurts them, you know, the, the worst thing about them. But I think competitively, though, you get a lot of stats for 200 points. You know, a lot of people tend to forget that they're actually, you know, a really kind of cheap unit, I mean, as far as the, as the horde goes, and, and, um, I think that one unit does have a place. I mean, I took Molochs in, in basically every list I've ever taken for Bistols, and, and I find that they play a really good sort of, you know, I call it kind of the general, right? They're, they're there to kind of clean up whatever's left over, you know. They're not your front line attack, for sure, but they are, you know, able to kind of sit back and wait, and then kind of once the dust settles, you know, they kind of come in there to charge whatever's left or maybe— you know, there's only something left to, to charge them that, that can't quite kill them, then they can counter charge pretty damn effectively. So I, I do like one unit. I think two units is where you get in the territory where you're kind of sad, you know, getting in trying to make it work. But I think one unit you can work pretty well if you just kind of keep them back and kind of, you know, let them clean up stuff. And Todd, do
2: you want to take us through the formation as well for these guys? You've got the formation, which is going to come with uh,
4: two hordes and uh, an arch fiend. Um, along with the uh, Horde of Lower Abyssals, and, uh, that is the, uh, Great Arch Host. Uh, it only costs 15 points, and all of those units gain plus one speed, uh, and now in Cock 19, the, the Archfiend can take wings, uh, which can make that maybe more of a, a consideration, but, but, uh. I don't think the extra point of speed solves the problem of Molochs to me.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think I mostly agree with Todd. I think yeah, that that formation was kind of garbage before they let you put wings on the Archfiend because who the hell doesn't put wings on their Archfiend? Um, and and Molochs desperately need to be speed six, um, and they also desperately needed Regen, which they finally got. And I think I think Regen helps because they they can be a prime shooting target, and I feel like them having Regen five up. Helps a little bit, uh, but but when you compare them to other units that uh, that do the same kind of thing, like herd guardian brutes uh, are speed six. I think even undead zombie trolls are like speed six. So it's like why are these guys so slow and on and on a bigger base? It doesn't make any sense. They're a decent hammer unit. They're they're sort of the the infantry can opener unit. Uh, they got 24 attacks, but they hit on fours. And like they, I I feel like they really need like some kind of anvil that they can counter off of. Uh, or something to screen them because they're just so slow. Like, um, something can chaff them up and hold them up for a turn, or or they can just get shot at. Like, I've never found them all that attractive of an option, but I think with the recent updates to at least give them regen, I think it's possible to make them work. I've seen Alex make them work, so I know it's possible, but, like, not everyone is Alex. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know that I would recommend them. And the formation, like... If you're already in a headspace where you're planning on taking two hordes of Molochs, then absolutely give them plus one speed. But I don't know that anybody's going to, like, you're basically basing your your list around a lower abyssal anvil and two flanking Molochs at that point. So, like, if that's a list you you really want to play, then Mantic did you a big favor. But I I think there's way more interesting things you can do with the other newer units. The,
4: the, the, The thing is that mathematically they put out the same damage output as a uh, ogre um uh, yeah. y- you know regular unit of ogres uh with with the two handers uh and, and i just don't think that i i don't think i don't think the profile takes into account the 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 pain of that 150 wide base uh having that 150 foot wide base with only speed five you don't have the large cav speed but you've got the large cav base and that that is that just i i i've When I first started the Army, I literally started them for some models I wanted to use as Molochs. I've tried for two and a half years to make them work, and I I just don't think they – if you have the right list, a unit like Alex has done, maybe. Um, But I I just – I'm not a fan.
2: Yeah, and like what Todd's saying is that most large infantry is 40 millimeter, but the Molochs are special and they're 50 millimeter, so they are going to be the, uh, that bigger, the, the same size as large cav, basically. So if you played with large cav, you kind of get the sense of that's what the Molochs are, but they're going to lack that speed 6, 7, 8 that, you know, speed 7 usually are, are sometimes more for a large cav. They're going to lack that ability, so they are easier to get stuck on each other, essentially. <laughs>
3: And it makes them hard to screen, right? Like, there's no clear screen unit that you can take in the list. Because I think we were just talking about uh, one of the other units, like Imps or something like that, right, that uh, seems like they would be a good one, but I think Todd does, as Todd pointed out, like, the base sizes don't match, so, you know, um, you're you're not going to be protecting your, your Molochs from a horde of draken Riders with, with that, and, like, how many points do you really want to put into you know, putting something expendable in front of them.
1: Yeah, quick comment I'll say, because I, I, I said, I said like I've found some success with them, and, and um, a few tips I'll give is, like, I, I do often take them with the proof of courage. I think that, like... 18 nerve, like you look at their strong suits, they have an 18 nerve on the top end. That's actually pretty high. You give them a group courage at 19. 19 nerve is actually quite a bit of nerve. So a unit even like drakons can can charge them, and and if they're inspired, they're actually very likely to hold against a unit like that. Um, so I think it's okay to play them out of screen as long as you just make sure they're not getting charged by you know two units at once, and and that takes a sort of bit of planning and kind of like said, making sure they're a little bit further back and kind of playing that that role where they're. They're getting charged, they only get charged by one thing. You know, I kinda of if you imagine a core of a battle line, to me they're on either end of that core. They're kind of in a role where they can kind of you know, they, they can flank a unit if someone bounces, they can kind of, you know, get charged by one thing, but they don't really get charged by more than that. And, and you know, one thing that works really well with them is the well of souls, I think is a good combination. If he's nearby, you know, they do get charged, you know, they get so say someone charges and bounces. Um, well, they're going to regenerate a third of their wounds. Well, of soul is going to suck up most of the rest of the wounds. And now they're in a grind situation, which is actually exactly where they want to be. So, you know, with the right support, I think they, they can work. Again, you want to avoid taking too many points of them and too many units of them. That, that, to me, is the biggest trap of the formation is that you take two units of these guys, and I would never want to do that. So I think I think one unit is fine. I think more than that, gets very, very dangerous.
2: Okay, so next on the list are the Tortured Souls...
1: Yes, Tortured Souls. I think everyone's favorite unit. At least I think uh, most missile players will say that. Um, so they're large infantry in regiment and horde sizes speed 10, melee 4, defense 4, um, 9 attacks for the regiment, 18 attacks for the horde, nerve dash 15 for the regiment, dash 18 for the horde. Um, 220 points for the Horde, 145 for the Regiment, and a whole boatload of special rules. They have Crushing 1, Thunderous 1, with the new Clash of Kings changes. They have Fury, which doesn't really matter for them. They also have Life Leech 2, Shambling, which is strictly a downside for them because they can't get Surge, so they just kind of are slower. But their speed ten fly, so they have big speed advantage and a lot of hitting power in a, uh, in a unit. So... Um, there's a lot to say about Torch Souls. I'm sure Mike Atkins will go a lot more into it because his whole army is basically <laughs> Torch Souls. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I think they're they're they were kind of nerfed, you know, so to speak, in in the Clash of King changes, and I think for good reason. I think mean, think they had a lot of stats into you know a flying unit that that you know, as far as hitting power and sustainability, um, they were just kind of really tough to deal with for a lot of opponents. I think they're still really good. Um, you know I think the when you look at them now I think the main thing you get is a unit that has dash you know they don't waver at all so you can they can take a shot and, and they're only defense 4 but you know if they survive they're at least going to be able to charge it back and with the life leech 2 they can heal some wounds back so they have actually pretty decent sustain I, I like them in regiments for that reason I think if you're going to play the sustain style build um, 145 points for a dash 15 nerve is actually quite a lot you know when you look at your average chap unit is 8 you know Anywhere from let's say 80 to 100 points, you know they're going to be able to kind of to deal with that unit in a very cost-effective way and, and still threaten flanks. So um, I really like emridges that way. I think hordes work really well too for hitting power. I think you just have to be more careful with the hordes. You have to make sure that you're you're kind of combo charging a lot because the horde doesn't have a lot of damage output for the points. So you kind of have to make sure that you just kind of balance that with what you expect to charge. But um, I think I think honestly I think one or two units of them is very very effective. So I, I really like or just for what they represent which is a really fast you know mobile threat that can kind of hit a lot of units as far as models go um I'll talk briefly manic makes models for them, which are kind of a swarm I they're kind of in that weird area where they're they're a swarm but they're not a swarm i guess because they're i think that at one point in the beta rules they were height one but you know the way as they're released now is that they're a large infantry height two. so not sure exactly what happened there but um I'm not really a fan of the manic models. I tend to kind of prefer people that that take the sort of interpretation of a of flying ogre style unit and kind of run with that.
3: Yeah, so I think I think the reason I still use these guys is because I really like the models that I got for them. I use uh, some some raven men or haraven raven men from Mercia, um, which are are basically uh, like they're they're raven guys, you know. So they're they're like giant bird. Uh, Warriors with swords, um, and they look really cool, and the poses are really nice. You know, as regiments, I think they're really good, and they're really points efficient for for being dash 15. They they make a really good speed bump, and they make a great flank denial unit because uh like like a regiment of these guys on a on a flank is not something anybody wants to deal with, and you got that great 20 inch reach. So I think you probably see them in regiments now more, more often than hordes. Um, the hordes are really good before uh, before flying got nerfed, so that you lost it. When you got disordered, and before flying large infantry got nerfed, so they lost a unit strength, and before the unit itself got nerfed to lose crushing strength two and have it replaced with a crushing strength one and thunderous charge one. So like uh, you know, for me this is this is uh, I'm I'm happy to be moving on to a different army because as much as I love them like I feel like I've just watched them slowly fade away over the course of the last couple of updates. I feel like every year they just lose a little something more. Um, and you know, having a having a hammer unit that, that hits on fours means um, they can choke, and, and and when they choke, they choke hard, and uh, they will they will die in the grind, right? Like not having CS2 anymore means they they will not grind well with anything that you try to throw them against. Um, but they do have that that whole abyssal like glass hammer thing going on. They they do have a lot of speed and a lot of reach, and they project a pretty good amount of threat. Um, so for for doing that, like Alpha Strike kind of elite build, I think they are still pretty good, uh, but there are some tricks to, to getting the most out of them. Um, and either you're you're willing to commit to that play style and for that to be how you play the army, or you're not, and you should find a, probably a slightly different way to, to play abyssals. Um, so for me, I like I like putting elite on on one horde because I feel like that kind of helps mitigate the uh, the fact that they only hit on fours in a more cost-effective way than putting sharpness on them to get them to hit on threes. Um, I also really like putting haste on my other horde uh, because that gives them just that that one extra inch of movement and, and two extra inches of charge to make sure that you get an alpha strike off on even other flying stuff. Um, and that that's another one of those like very satisfying things to, to, to do with abyssals is like screen your, your tortured soul horde that has haste with a troop of gargoyles and move them up, and know that uh, you know some somebody can come and charge those gargoyles, and then you're going to hit them, uh, or they they just need to back up because like even getting out of the charge range of the torch souls, you, you basically have to have to get out of the charge range of both of them, right? Because the the, the way the model sizes uh, work out, like if, if one of them can charge, both of them can charge. So just you know you slide those forward, and you watch somebody on the other side of the table like sliding their Dracon rider's back. Uh, to, to, to stay out of range, you, you just kind of gradually push people back up against the table edge over the course of a couple of turns. You know, meanwhile, your, your guys with the lead on the other side of the table have like already smacked into something and killed them and turned the flank, and uh, now your, your opponent's in kind of a predicament. But yeah, like when they when they choke, when when you do go in, when when you spend those couple of turns maneuvering to get exactly the charge you want, and then you go in and you don't roll well, uh, you will lose the game, right? Like you kind of live and die by whether these guys can manage to roll an average number of wounds. So I like to think of of them as needing to use the buddy system, right? Like every tortured soul horde needs a buddy to go with them to make sure that they don't get lost on their way to doing what they're supposed to do. And so good buddies for for them are units that you're probably gonna take anyway, a unit like uh, Basusu or maybe a troop of hellhounds or maybe even just a tortured soul regiment. You, You want something that will reliably do about four wounds uh, to go along with the horde so that if it does its job reasonably well and doesn't show too hard, you'll still go through. Um you can send your archfiend in with them as well and like a regiment of tortured souls and an archfiend together will will pretty much always kill whatever they hit. But then you're 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 dedicating your Archfiend uh, to to one flank and like one kind of role, and you might want to do other things with with your Archfiend. And if you've got more than one horde of tortured souls, like you, you probably don't have the points to buy two Archfiends as well. Cause then that's getting super expensive. So so yeah that's that's my tips for for, for using them like do what you can to, to mitigate the, the fact that they hit on fours, and and send a buddy along with them to, to make sure they absolutely kill whatever they they charge on that that alpha strike, or you know you're you're gonna have a bad time.
4: Yeah, I thought we were gonna have a little more contentiousness on, uh, on this one, but uh, yeah, uh, hordes on these guys I thought were good ish uh, before they got the the thunder that they lost their extra crushing down to thunderous l- last year. Uh, now, I mean they're they're not a poor unit as a horde, but they're they're not a good unit either in my book. Uh, I, I've always, from the beginning, been kind of Jeff. Jeff. Jeff and I are you know kind of the cheerleaders for team regiments, not hordes. I think regiments of tortured souls are one of the best, most price efficient units in the game. I'm sad if I don't have two regiments of them in any list I run. The regiments just they're kind of that jack of all trades, and they do it all great. If you need something to chaff up, you're, they'll chaff up and, and they'll grind. If you need something to shut down a flank, they'll shut down a flank. They're going to fit into, they're going to fit into flanks that your opponent's going to leave that the horde wouldn't fit into, and that your opponent may have thought were safe. Uh, they they, they uh, can work around for late game flanks and rears. They, they just, the regiments are great, but but as a horde. When, with that price point and, and, and that profile, you're needing them to be a hammer. And, and hitting on fours with the amount of terrain that should be on most tables, they they just don't do it for me. Um, regiments all the way every day, but, but hordes I'm not a fan of. I, and I'll say uh, – Mike was talking about running elite to get better use out of them. To me, points efficiency-wise, when you have only 18 attacks uh, with four, on fours, the elite's going to get you an extra one-and-a-half hits a turn. Uh, I, I'd almost just go for a blade of slashing. Uh, you're saving 20 points. You still get a half a hit a turn extra, uh, and, and you have more points to put into your list elsewhere. Um but better yet, I'd, I'd say just avoid the hordes, run the regiments, and, and and find your hammers elsewhere.
2: You know, and Mike mentioned some of the models uh, he's using. Uh, what about you, Todd? What are the models you're using for these guys?
4: I think I mentioned them a little bit earlier in the gargoyles as an option there, but it's uh, from War, Mo- uh, War Machine or War Mordes Mo- uh, in uh, their Legion line. Uh- they're called Blighted Grotesque Banshees. Uh, they're they're pretty cool models. Uh, there's a couple different sculpts. There's not a lot of variation on them, but they look good. They fit well. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I want to comment quickly, because, like, you know, um, Mike was very modest. Mike was very honest in his uh, introduction. Like, I, I think you play the army very well. I mean, you pretty much, as far as I know, like very consistently in the top 10 of any tournament you ever enter. And and I've, honestly, with your list and the nerfs they've taken, I, I'm still amazed you kind of win games, <laughs> to be honest. Like the unit strength is, is very little. T- taking so many of these guys, like they have taken nerf after nerf. And I think, um, you know, they're, they're a unit that you have to really kind of learn the nuance of how to like, how to pull the trigger, when to pull the trigger on them. is like, is like the key moment of, of realization with them how to you know properly use i think um you know the army in general or or abyssals in general
2: cool yeah there are it is like when you think about a flying soul tortured demon specter you know there are a sort of a lot of uh, beats you could pick up on you know or tropes or whatever you want to see archetypes and fantasy models that would work well for that unit cool okay so next on the line we have abyssal horsemen so abyssal horsemen we're sort of the the night option uh, before maybe something else that got out of that we'll be talking about very shortly. But the Horseman is speed eight, uh, their cavalry, speed eight, melee three plus, defense five plus, uh, nine attacks in the troop with eleven thirteen nerve, one hundred and forty points. Uh, you can also get them in a regiment and they pick up eighteen attacks and they're fourteen sixteen for two fifteen. These guys get Crushing Strength 1, which is always nice on Cav. They get Fury, which is nice, and TC 1. Um, what do you guys think about these? You run them at all?
3: I, I really like them. Um, I usually take one with Pathfinder, but uh, I think like Nimble might also be a pretty good option for them as well. Uh, I find them to be a more reliable hammer than a Tortured Soul Horde, and they cost 5 points less, right? which is... Uh, Pretty good deal. Um, if you compare them to like uh, Elf Stormwind Cavalry, which cost the same, uh, the Elves are a little bit faster, but they have two less attacks uh, and they don't have Crushing Strength, um, which I feel like is a pretty pretty good trade-off, like a little bit of speed for hitting a little harder. Like I I uh, I really like them, and I think if I was starting an Abyssal Army uh, now, given the other options we will get to talking about soon, I would probably go kind of kind of heavy Cav with everything. So yeah, I think they're solid and definitely we're we're taking at least one regiment of
2: yeah and there is a formation for these guys i'll mention it here it's kind of for them and then the next unit but we'll talk about it uh right now it's a um it's called unleash the hounds where it's a bissell horseman regiment two hellhound troops and a heliquin blood mask who's like the character version of the heliquin and that formation uh each unit gets the vicious special rule so it's kind of like a fluffy sort of like an Abyssal, you know, they're going on hunt, basically, so you have, like, the horsemen and their hunting dogs, and then you have the commander guy. You ever run these guys at all, Todd, uh, at the Abyssal Horsemen?
4: Yeah, uh, I've, I've done some playing around with them. Um, generally, when, when I was running more units for hammers, uh, uh, I would take a regiment of them uh, in the cockpit, 18 and before world over the horde of uh tortured souls uh uh, like one of the others mentioned uh and they're a pretty good unit i I do really like them um i like the formation in theory um i'm not sure about 35 points for it. It, it, it that gets into the the hellhounds thing where i actually really like hellhounds but putting it more points into 10 12 nerve units I, I wish the formation cost was a little less, or did something a little different. But but as far as the horsemen go, solid unit. Uh, I, I think they're uh, in a above the curve, good but not great cav unit.
1: Uh. Yeah, I mean, I'll mention quickly. I think that they're a little unique in in terms of cavalry because they can actually take a, a punch a little bit better than than most cav units because they have crushing and one and fury. So like. Most cavalry you're used to like, okay, as long as I can beat them to the punch, I'm good. You know, like I, I've I've outspeeded you, I can I can grind you out. But them, they're actually coming back, with crushing one, and assuming you have a bait chance somewhere. I mean, even essentially crushing two with, with, you know, that that's that's like as hard as most cavalry hits. So like, they have this unique little role I think where they can actually like, you can kind of you know bait your opponent a bit to kind of like, oh, you got me, you got to speed me, and then they find next thing you know you're counter-punching them and hitting them way harder than they expected. So. um you know, as, as the, the caveat there being they have to survive, but you know, I think that, that they are they are pretty good at, at you know what they can do as far as as threat projection and and you know even taking a punch.
2: I think they're interesting in that they're sort of costed similar to that the medium heavy cab, you know, like not in the mounted suns or soul reverse sort of era, but like area, but in other things, you know, they're 1416 as opposed to 1517 for like Basilean cab, but they have two extra attacks a lot of those uh, cab units are 16 attacks instead of 18 and they're tc2 with no crushing and the last thing you want your night cab to do is get an unlucky waiver so that fury with the crushing strength one i think does make them um a, a, a little slightly different flavor in that if you don't get the first charge or even if you don't get the first charge and often with those 16 attack Cav units, if you're hindered or if you're uh, hitting something hard, you're probably not going to kill it anyway. They're going to be much better in that second round of combat. So I think they are kind of a, a little interesting
3: choice. Yeah, like they're not uh, they're not mounted suns, but mounted suns also cost like 35 points more. They're a solid medium heavy cav.
2: Yeah, and then I guess model-wise, I know Mantic does the infamous Abyssal Horsemen uh, that many people have lamented the assembly of those horses. But I think, like, any sort of, like... Like, I use the, the Morgul Knights from the GW Lord of the Rings as, like, my soul Reverse. They're kind of, like, dark, ominous-looking cab. I think any sort of cab you could probably could use for these guys, right? Just paint them in darker colors or, like, you know, make them look evil. But I think any sort of mounted guys you could make work for this unit.
3: You could, like I do. Uh, I do uh, GW Zangors on discs, um, but my army's like zeech themed, so that fits. That fits perfectly. You know, they're just uh, they're they're uh, bird men on on hovering discs. Uh, but yeah, I think like any any kind of cool bad guy cab or uh, other cab where you like head swaps and demon heads on it or something like that could could work.
2: Even even Chaos Knights. Yeah. Yep, uh-huh. those are good. The Chaos Knights would work fine, too, for these guys. Cool. Well, Mike, uh, you mentioned a, a little bit the Hellhounds. Why don't you take us to the Hellhounds, which is sort of the other unit in that uh, Unleash the Hounds formation?
3: Sure. So Hellhounds uh, only come in troops. They're a cavalry unit. Uh, they're speed 9, uh, melee 4, defense 4. They have 15 attacks, which people always, when, when they're not familiar with them, and they see 15 attacks, like their their jaw kind of falls open, and I have to remind them that like fluff wise, uh, yes, it's five dogs, but they're three headed dogs, so 15 is really just every head getting one bite at you. That's all. It's it's not it's not totally overblown. It makes perfect sense with the models. Uh, their, their nerve is 10 12, uh, and they cost 125 points. Uh, they have fury. Uh, they're only hide one uh, because they're they're that sort of like hunting dog. A uh, cav-sized unit with with no riders. Uh, they have Nimble uh, and they have Thunderous Charge one. Um, so I I like Hellhounds, I do. They're they're a good glass hammer, but I feel like for the points they're they're really good. Um, them being only height one means uh, you could screen height two units uh, pretty well. So like they they make for uh, a pretty good screen for a unit of a little cav because they're a little bit faster than them. So you can you can kind of deploy them one behind the other. Uh, and they can kind of head off, head off together to go to go beat things up. They have really low nerves, so they don't tend to survive very long. Um, but again, like if somebody shoots them to death, they're they're not shooting at your your more expensive like hammer units, so eh, maybe that's okay. They also do tend to draw fire because with with 15 attacks and thunderous charge one, like if these things manage to get on a flank, like they will do a lot of damage uh, on their own. And and I think like just that alone, like the fact that they are speed nine and have that many attacks. Um, tends to, to like make make your opponent like give them kind of a lot of respect and like throw a lot of uh, uh, missile attacks their way to, to make sure to get rid of them so like if you want something that just just acts like an arrow magnet like take some hellhounds but I think they're I think they're pretty good and pretty good for the points um, I think like Basilian and Panthers cost five points less than them uh, are a little bit faster but have like five fewer attacks. Veringer tundra wolves are, are cheaper but have fewer attacks. I think herd beast packs are also cheaper, but again have fewer attacks. So that's that's kind of their their whole thing. Like if you're if you're willing to pay a little bit more than than you you would pay for an equivalent unit in, in another army, um, you're you're paying for those extra attacks. Um, and, and if they hit, like they'll they'll do a good job. You know, I was talking about uh, you have to use the buddy system for for some of the abyssal hammer units to 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 make sure that they really pop the thing they, they charge when they do that alpha strike. Uh hellhounds make for a great buddy just because you, you got so many dice to throw at whatever you're hitting and if you can put a bane chant on them like they're they're really good. Um yeah, no, I always take at least one. I think I would probably take at least one for every cav unit that I take in an army. Uh so the formation kinda kinda of appeals to me, but uh as as we briefly said, I wish it was a little different or, or a little cheaper.
1: Right. I mean I hate to I hate to disagree with um you know like in general but I, i'm not a fan of, of of these guys at all i mean yeah there's a role for them for sure but um like you know it, that role is basically putting these guys in a flank by themselves hoping that your opponent doesn't counter them and that they you know are, are getting a flank or rear charge that that also can't be hindered right because i mean even on the hindered flank charge from these guys i'm still not that scared and you know as 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 they lose the Thunderous and they kind of go to Melee 5. So, um, you know, I I just, I, I don't know. I, I I think they're they're very finessey, and if you have that style and that works and you, and you can't outdrop your opponent and kind of guarantee you get the flank, and that works. Otherwise, I I would kind of steer clear of this unit. I think they're just very, very difficult to get to work effectively. Just not a fan of myself.
2: I would say, having played the Gur Panthers a lot uh, in my Vaseline army, which is a very similar unit to this, I started out sort of like using them more as like a chaff piece, but I think the more defensively you play them, I think the better they are as far as like late game play or we really want to be getting them into flanks. So when you do play them defensively, I think I probably like the little bit more maneuverability on the Panther, which is speed 10 with Pathfinder as well as Nimble. It's less attacks, it's 10 attacks as opposed to 15 attacks. But it does give you a little bit more maneuverability. But it's just tough. Any any unit like this that's 10, 12, you take two or three sh- damage from shooting and you can be killed. You know what I mean? So it's not out of the question. So it's a lot for a unit that's 120 plus. Um, but... Uh, Model-wise, I think you could do a lot of cool stuff with this. There's lots of cool like hound or wolf or sort of dog-type models. Um, anything for models for these has stick out for you guys as uh, for a cool would be cool for hellhounds.
3: Uh, I got some some like demon dogs from from Mercia, um, which I think look pretty cool, but don't have don't have three heads. Um, so they're they're kind of. They they don't quite represent the unit well. I think when I made this unit, Mantic hadn't put out models yet, and it was really, really hard to find three-headed dog models at the time.
2: Yeah, the Mantic ones are pretty cool. They're like a three-headed, like, Cerebus sort of type dog um, that I think they're pretty neat, and I think they are definitely a cool choice. Okay, cool. So next on the list is, again, one of the new... uh, real cool units from the clash of kings pack it's a unit that they brought over from vanguard which are the heliquins
4: all right so uh, heliquins are the new hot for the army uh they're a cavalry unit they come in troops and regiments uh they are speed eight melee three up uh defense five up uh the troops get 10 attacks the regiments get 20 uh, nerve point of 1315 for the troops, which is real solid for a troop, uh, and 1618 on the regiment. Uh, there are 170 points for a troop and 265 on the regiment. They come with Crushing 1, Thunderous 2, Fury, and Life Leech 1. Uh, so, so essentially these guys are your, your mounted sons uh, with the... Uh, uh, Fury and Life Leech, uh upgrades both, uh, so they're, a, they're they're a really really good unit, solid, game winning heavy cav. They're 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 now up there with your your Soul reaver cav and your, and your Mounted sons as the elite cav in the game. Just absolute money.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, you know, Mounted Suns, like you say, you can buy gifts to to give them the things that they're missing, um, but Helicons end up. Identical, but five points cheaper if you buy those, right? Um, which is which is really great. Like it's like these guys cost 50 points more than Horsemen in a regiment, but you get probably like 70 or 80 points worth of upgrades for that 50 points. If you do the math on Soul Reaver Cab, I think it, it basically comes down to the big difference in Soul Reaver Cab is that their defense six, but you're paying like 50 points. For the soul reaver, more for the soul reaver cab. Or are there? They're, they're like 35 points more. And if you do some some math for the the abilities to, to kind of you know even them out, like you're you're paying an awful big premium just to have defense six on the soul reaver cab. Uh, so yeah, like I think I think these guys are, are really good. Um, I think if they weren't irregular, you would see like four of them in like pe- people would show up with, with armies of, of of helican spam. That would 100% happen if they were not irregular, but they are irregular. So. Yeah. Uh, every yeah. list will have at least one. Yeah,
4: that, that, that's the big equalizer. Is you know we've mentioned a few times that unlocks are often an issue for the army uh, because traditionally, really before this COC nineteen, I think really the best hammers on the list are all pretty much characters, uh, and so you're always starved for those uh, character unlocks. Uh, so, but so so it does not matter that they're they're irregular, but great great unit
2: and having played uh having played soul reavers a bunch these are in my opinion i would take over soul reavers every day of the week and twice on sunday i mean it's 35 points cheaper granted it's defense five over six it's an extra pipa nerve it's one life leech but the real like secret sauce of the unit is fury what soul reavers can win you games but usually if your soul reavers get unluckily wavered I can't tell you, tell you how many games I was in a position to win that my soul reavers get box card or they get an unlucky waiver and then bam, there's my 300 and some odd point unit gone. Fury on this type of unit is so, so, so good when you need on these hammers that you know you are guaranteed to strike back. I think really is a uh, part of the magic of this, of this unit is it's that it's got fury
4: yeah, and, and I mean, I think you're going to see more than one unit in some lists. Uh, I can tell you a certain certain dojo player is uh, uh, up in Dallas is, is bringing back his uh, what he used to do with Veringer. Uh He's he's going to be doing with with Abyssals this year, and he'll have two units. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of these seen around. I think.
1: Right, right. I'm not surprised to hear that either. I mean, I wish I could disagree with you guys, but I just can't. I mean, you know, this, you guys, like I said, I'm glad they're regular. I mean, also, i don't, I don't think that this was necessarily needed, a unit like this. They, they, I mean, I think horsemen are already pretty good. I mean, I still like horsemen, but, I mean, just, just, Heliquin just are just amazing, right? They just do everything.
3: <laughs> so, I don't know. Mantic, if you are listening, more sculpts and a regiment box of this one.
2: And scopes that are in motion. I love the Heloquin design. Fantastic. Looks great. But the ones that are out are so static and just standing there. Give us, some, give us that Heloquin design but with some more uh, sense of motion.
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I, I'm actually a fan of those models. I would buy a unit that looks like that. I do wish they had a lot more motion. Yeah, but put something out for us. And for people who are looking for other model options, you've got things like GW's uh, The Varen Guard, uh, which were kind of the big, giant, crazy cav characters that got put out around the end times period for Chaos. Uh, I think those could fit. I think uh, in the Ice and Fire game has the Bolton Flayed Men. I've seen uh, one of my locals is using those for them, and they actually fit decently.
2: Yeah, we're, I, I think it's a, a great unit. Uh, we're going to be seeing them like you guys said. It should be interesting to uh, see them. And like I said, I wish that I could like, you know, my Soul Reavers could dress up as like Heliquins for Halloween. And then I take take that unit in my army. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, next on the list is another new unit from Vanguard, which I also love. Again, another unit that's causing me to want to do Abyssals uh, as a future project, uh, which are the Abyssal Despoilers.
1: Yes, Abyssal Despoilers. So unlike the other two new options we've mentioned so far, these guys are not irregular, so that's a big plus right there. Um, they have Regiment Horde options, Speed 7, Melee 4, Defense 5. Attacks are 9 and 18 on the Horde. Nerve 13-15, 16-18 and coming in at 255 points for the horde i think these guys are basically exactly like grotes. if you're familiar with them from the abyssal dwarves uh but you get five points more expensive for the horde and you get fury which is like the biggest bargain of the century right i mean like you ask any player if they would take that and you know that's a no-brainer so um huge fan again of this type of unit i mean grotesques are are phenomenal for for a unit in general um you know, like, again you have regeneration on this unit, they have five plus to go over the other stats. They have brutal, crushing strength two, excuse me, Crushing Shred Two, Thunderous One, and also Vicious. So, um Vicious is something that you don't see a lot in units and I think that does a lot for them to make sure their their damage really kind of makes sure it sticks. And um, you know, I can see a couple of these units being pretty mainstay in the unit. You know, if you're looking for the unlocks just for things like Heliquins, I mean, look no further than the spoilers. I, mean, I think you'll see a lot of these elite fast builds um, in abyssals. And I think the spoilers are gonna be an integral part of that. I mean the speed seven sort of a downside. I mean it's it's definitely not cavalry speed, but it's also the perfect speed because you're you're just faster than infantry. You can kind of make sure you get the chart infantry and, you know, they're tough enough to take a charge from kind of your average faster unit. So I, I'm a big fan of this unit. I mean Fury works perfectly with their profile and still leaves rooms for all the other artifacts you want to take on them. So um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but I, I really think the Spoilers are a fantastic unit. Really, I, I almost like them better than Heliquins, I think, because they just think they're more well-rounded and true to kind of what the Abyssal theme is, which in, you know, I really like the models too, so I, I, th- I would much rather see the Spoilers than Heliquins in the list. Yeah, people are going to get sick of seeing these.
3: So there was no large CAV unit in the Abyssal Army, This is this, this is kind of filling a, a missing slot with these things, there's kind of no reason to ever even give Mo- uh, Molochs a close look because I think like these guys are a better like can opener. They're they're speed seven, but I think if if, if you're taking one unit, then you probably want to put haste on them so that the, they're the same speed as your as your Helicans, right? And th- those guys can just go along oh, together. Yeah, and love them. They're pretty similar to like a Direfang Rider, uh, which is the uh, Direfangs are only speed six. Uh, they they have a lot more attacks, but like these guys have like a laundry list of special rules as well um, that I think might end up making up for for those attacks. And the the plus one speed means, you know, if you put these two units across the table from each other and have them go head to head, then the spoilers are going to get there first. Um, And this is one of those, like, whoever hits you first is going to win out on the grind. I think you could also compare them to something like salamander ancients on rhinosaurs, which are uh, like 20 points more expensive. But I think, um, I think these guys still work out to be better because they have regen. Uh, so I think in a, in a grind against that unit, I think they would still win out. So, like, yeah, th- this unit's going to be really popular. You're going to see lists built around, like, these guys, I think.
2: Cool. Yeah, and then, like we said, the Mantic models for these are really cool. Um, again, another it's a, another one of those units where you're like, please let us see more sculpts and release as a regiment box so that I can give you my money. Okay, well, next on the list, we have the Heliquin Blood Mask. So the Heliquin Blood Mask is the sp- sp- character version of the Heliquin, uh, and it is what goes in that um, Unleash the Hounds uh, formation. Is speed eight, melee three plus, defense five, three attacks, 11, 13 for ninety points. With that, you get Crushing One, uh, Fury, uh, Life Leech One, TC Two, and a- a, you know as we're talking about this guy, we're now sort of moving into the heroes section of the list. Um, so just kind of like a, a, a mounted combat character for 90 points with, you know, three attacks and some TC, some some crushing. You know, it seems – what do you guys think about this guy?
4: I don't love him. Uh, to me, he's, he, he's, I guess, filling that role of like the Elven Prince or the Kingdom's Men hero um, and where he has advantages over them with hitting a lot harder with the Thunderous 2 and – and having a little bit of survivability with the Life Leech, I think I'd, if I want that archetype of character, I'd rather just have the, the cheap 65-point guy like the Kingdoms of Men. Uh, at 90 points, I don't love him myself.
3: Yeah, I agree. I don't think... I don't know. I, I, I keep trying to figure out what you're supposed to do with this guy. Like, we didn't have this, this like, middle-tier cav hero before. Um, he is a lot cheaper than taking an Abyssal Champion and putting that guy on a horse by, like, 65 points. So... Yeah, he seems like a really reliable way to put a wound on something for 90 points. Um, gargoyles are 10 points cheaper, uh, and if the thing you're trying to reliably put one wound on uh, is only defense four, then like you can save 10 points and have a little bit more speed and take gargoyles uh, because like trying trying to ground like a dragon or unit you know, dracon riders with gargoyles is just not going to work. Uh, but, but you might be able to do that with this guy, um, but eh, he's taken up a. He's taken up a hero slot, and he's not inspiring. So, like, the the only reason I would ever take this guy is if I was taking the Release the Hounds formation, and I wanted to, like, make him inspiring to go along with the Cav because he can keep up. But otherwise, like, even if you just want a mounted hero to inspire your Cav, uh, a mounted Harbinger costs 35 points less and, and is inspiring out of the box. So, like, eh, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like if, you're, if your list has a, has a role for this guy... Then great, but I don't know that I would ever paint myself into that kind of corner list building wise, you know, where like I had 90 points and this seemed like a great way to spend them.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And like you said, you want to take a Harbinger, you know, for inspiring, plus give him Banner of the Griffin, or you can give him an item or something and it's you're getting close to the same points, really, as the Blood Mask.
3: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he's not gonna, like, it's. It's three. It's three attacks. Like he's he's not he's not a he's, he's not really a combat character, but he's not really inspiring either. Um, but I think as as Todd said, like he's kind of pricey for just that that one trick, you know. If you have a spare hero slot, but when the hell do we ever have a spare hero slot?
2: Especially when you have this next guy on the list that is, you know, we talk about signature or halo units for an army. This is definitely one of them. I would say probably for uh, Abyssals, which is the Archfiend of the Abyss.
3: Uh, Yep, so the the Archfiend of the Abyss is a uh, hero monster. Uh, He is uh, speed 7 out of the box, but everybody puts wings on him. Uh, He hits on threes. He's defense 5. He has 9 attacks. His nerve is 16, 18. He costs 250 points on foot, uh, 300 when you put the wings on him, which you're going to do. He's got Brutal, Crushing Strength 2, Fury, Inspiring, Thunderous Charge 2, and Vicious. Uh, and and yeah, I think I agree with you, Jeremy. Like the, the Archfiend is kind of like a marquee unit for this army. If you don't want a flying Archfiend in your list, I'm not sure why you're playing Abyssals, right? He's he's kind of one of the, the things that drags that uh, you know calls to people to to want to play to, to play Abyssals. Uh, you pretty much always see him with wings. Um, I usually put the blade of slashing on him because uh, with with crushing two and thunderous two and vicious, like every attack that hits is gonna wound. Uh, you just want to make sure that as many of his nine attacks actually hit as possible. And on threes, he'll hit most of the time. But like again, like everyone, everyone is, is is worth paying the points for. And I usually like putting lightning bolt on him just to give him something to do. Like turn one when he's getting in position, like you can lightning bolt some chaff to to get it out of your way, or like turn uh, six, you know where. He's some of the only unit strength you have left alive, and he's standing on an objective, so he can't charge something. But you really got to put one wound on something way over there. You know, uh, he he can just kind of spin around and fire a lightning bolt. I feel like that's a pretty good use of the points. He projects a lot of a lot of threat, a lot of threat. If he gets in the flank of something, he can one shot even even big nasty units pretty much by himself. Uh, I think I've one shotted a horde of Salamander Primes in, with, with a flank charge with, with an Archfiend before. And I've come super close to like popping dwarf steel behemoths. Like, you know, like if I'd rolled a better nerve roll, I would have done it. Um, so like people, people definitely like know to fear the Archfiend. Uh, so he, he's a nice psychological threat. He's CS2 uh, and thunderous Charge 2, Unlike other dragony kind of um, uh, models who are usually like crushing strength three with without any thunderous. So he doesn't really want to grind a whole lot. He wants to go in and kill whatever he's hitting. So, so again, like this is this is one of those like quintessential abyssal units. He he wants to maneuver a little bit. He wants to get a nice favorable charge or a nice uh, juicy flank and and go in and just wreck something. Kind of the only downside to him is that when you try to compare him with with other similar things, um, you know other other dragony type uh, models for, for similar points, pretty much all have breath weapons, and this guy doesn't come out of the box with with, with anything like a breath weapon. You you got to pay extra for the Lightning Bolt, and so that that maybe takes a, a little bit of the shine off of him if, if you compare him to, like, uh, a Veringer King on Chimera who only costs uh, 10 points more um, but kind of has a lot more a lot more stuff. Like, he's got more attacks and more nerve, and he has a breath weapon uh, to begin with. Um, or, like, the Elf uh, or Twilight kin Dragons, I, th- I think they're kind of in a similar boat. Like, they cost a little bit more, but you feel like you get a little bit more than those points with
1: them. Yeah, I can't agree more with that, right? I mean, Arc Fiend, when I said fun earlier, like, Arc Fiend is the first unit I think of when I think of fun. Like, this guy flies 20, he hits, you know, super hard, um, you know, getting flanks, getting rears. This guy is super satisfying. As long as you don't roll snake eyes, you know, it's a great time. And, um... You know, I think one of the things I'll talk about is I've never been a fan of the lightning bolt on this guy just because I feel like in, in a perfect game my Arc Fiend is charging basically, you know, 5 to 6 times, you know, like at least like at least 4 plus times. So, like I don't see the lightning bolt as having big impact. Having said that, I think the legendary spells offer a lot of sort of one-time use things you can do on this guy. Um you know, both Critter's Call comes to mind to me. as a great spell on him that you can sort of move 10 and cast that turn 1 and and then get your, you know, 4 to 5 charges in the rest of the game and, and you know, not worry about the value of it. You know, you're still getting the, the value of that. You know, also things like maybe a Teleport if you want to do some sort of shenanigans. You know, there's a lot of, I think, of, of one-time Use Legendary spells you could use on him that kind of uh, work well, Um, you know. But, again, just a, a phenomenal unit. I mean... I agree with Blade Slashing again. Uh, make him an efficient sort of package, you know, make him, make him just hit hard. Yeah, uh,
4: obviously, you know, they've said most everything. Um, I agree with the Blade of Slashing. I've seen people put uh, elite on it, and yeah, that works on spells too, but 25 points to, to buff up nine attacks uh, isn't good return. Blade of Slashing is always going to be a lot better. Uh, I agree with Alex on uh, the Critter's Call being a good take. Uh, the teleport. If you, you have some shenanigans with in a freak, you can run with that. But uh, for me, I'm 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 with Mike Team Lightning Bolt all the way. Uh, and I think it's especially important when you start comparing them against other dragon types, which is really what this is. And that, that, that's where I, I love the Archfiend. Always have one, often run two. But uh, when you compare them to other dragons, I, I think the real the real comparison point is like the Black Elf Dragon who has that lightning bolt, but with the lightning bolt, he's 15 points cheaper than, than, than the Archfiend and has an extra attack and has an extra point of nerve. And so I, I think the Archfiend is not as points efficient as other dragons, and that's why I think it's really important to have that lightning bolt, because you want there's a lot of other dra- people running dragons, and the ability to put a couple wounds out on them before you get into the clash is real important. Because once that clash happens, they're crushing three. We're only crushing two on that counter charge. We're going to be wounding less. We already have less attacks. We already have lower nerve. You want to be able to put out a couple points of uh, damage first. Um, So I I, I see the lightning bolt as essential personally.
2: And then model-wise, we're we're looking at so many great options for this, right? So like any sort of big winged or big sort of demon monster type model would be great for this?
4: I actually love Mantic's Archfiend. Um, but when we get to talking about other models, uh, Miersch, uh anyone who doesn't know them, look them up, M-I-E-R-C-E. They're a great company. And in their Inferni line, there's like 10, 12 different things you can run as an Archfiend. They have just some amazing sculpts.
3: Uh, for mine, I I kind of kitbashed something together because I wanted something that fit my like bird demon theme. And I felt like the Lord of Change models were too Thin and frail looking, so uh, I took a uh, GW Demon Prince body and I put uh, the High Elf Phoenix wings uh, on his back instead of the Demon wings. Uh, so I could paint them white to, to match the uh, you know my my Raven Men that I'm using for Tortured Souls. Uh, and then I took like one of the Empire General on Griffin uh, Griffin heads and green stuff that onto the head to get a to get a bird head on him to make him fit the theme of the army. Um, but but really like like. Who doesn't love painting a big, evil-looking winged demon? Like, go out and pick your favorite one from whatever manufacturer and, and bring it, you know? And and everybody can sit around and ooh and aah at, uh, at, at your next tournament.
2: Cool. Okay. Uh, well, next on the list uh, as we're going through these heroes is the Abyssal Champion.
4: So the Abyssal Champion is uh, an infantry hero. He is uh, speed 5, melee 3, uh, defense 5. He gets five attacks with a 13-15 nerve. Uh, his points are 135, and he has crushing one, fury, individual of course. He's inspiring, and he has regen five up. Uh, I don't ever really see anybody take him on foot. Whoever takes foot heroes period, pretty much unless it's a standard standard bear or a caster. Uh, but where where you do I have seen him run in and even turn tournament winning lists as you. For forty points, Uh, so uh, you know, cheaper than you can buy wings for most characters. You get wings on him. You could also put him on a mount for uh, on a on a cavalry mount for twenty points if you wanted to run him with some of your cav, uh, with all the cav options we have now. Uh, He does have the option for lightning bolt, which means he also gets access to all the other spells that are out there, the legendary spells uh, as well as things like weakness and drain life. He can be a good harasser. Um, It. 175 points flying. He's a he's a poor man's Basusu. Uh, so if you're starved for points or you you're just looking for another unit, uh, he, he's an option. Um, I have run him occasionally. I haven't run him in a long time, but uh, he's not
3: bad. Yeah, I can never figure out a good use for him. Like he just seems too expensive to me, um, especially now that there's there's a warlock option that is. What cost like half what he costs? So, so if you're looking for something to cast spells, like there's a way cheaper way to get that. We were talking about the blood mask. So, like if you really just want a calf harasser, you can get a cheaper calf harasser that way. do not have as many attacks, but if you know just getting in the way and harassing things is what you're looking for, then there's a cheaper way to do that. Um, yeah, you can call him poor man's Basuzu, but like Basuzu is just so worth it. It's it, it's worth finding the points to take Basuzu if if that's what you want. So I don't know. I feel like he's uh, he's one of those like good good all around can do lots of things like jack of all trades, but kind of masters of none uh, in a list where there's a lot of units that are like masters of their role. So like, I don't know. I, I can never think of a good reason to take him. Like I would always rather find the points to take the, the more specialized option.
1: I have to agree yet again. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of fallen, I think into a role where like um, when you saw the, the first version of, of sort of, I should say version two of Kings of war where like, you had the option given social armor, getting defense six. He's a little bit more useful with the wings and whatnot, but he um, just kind of fall into a little bit of irrelevancy with all the new toys and new options and, and stuff. So I, I don't think he's very popular, and I don't kind of expect him to stay that way for at least the next version, you know, year or two.
2: I guess you could give him wings and the mournful blade and make him like a character hunter, but then he's pretty expensive at that point.
3: I I'm planning on doing that. There's a there's an event in Ohio. Uh, where where you have to make a a character, a, a War King character, and you're, you're supposed to start with a, a standard hero, and you can give them a special magic item that's really three magic items glued together, um, and everyone is required to take one, um, and it can't be a living legend. So, yeah, for, for that, I am going to take a Flying Abyssal Champion, uh, and I'm going to take, like, the Mournful Blade and, like, tack another Crushing Strength on it and... I forget what the third uh, thing was, but like, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good role. Like, if you want something specifically to go out and hunt down other characters, then sure, he's good at that. But um, eh, still, still kind of situational. Like, you have to you have to hope that your opponent has an individual worth hunting down with that many points before you commit to it. So like, if somebody's running a tournament where everybody has to take a character, and you think half the scenarios are going to resolve or you know revolve around the characters staying alive or doing. Certain special things like yeah, then he makes good sense. But otherwise, like, eh, very situational, you
2: know. Take take my blade, Lone Ranger. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Well, next on the list we have the sort of standard abyssal uh, BSB, I guess, for lack of a better word, which is the abyssal harbinger.
1: Yes, abyssal so harbinger, like. Uh, Jeremy said they're pretty pretty standard. I mean, relevant stats are Speed 5, Defense 4, 1 Attack, Nervous 10, 12, um, coming in at 60 points. Uh, as far as special rules are, um, he has Fury, he's got Regeneration 5+, plus, Inspiring, of course, Individual. And his sort of unique rule, if you want to you know, say that, is he's got fire bolts with Pierce 1, which at 1 Attack and, you know, Range 4 up is nothing to write home about, um, Sixty points is ten points more than your your kind of you know base army standard, and to be, to be honest, doesn't really get anything I think for those ten points. But at the same time, I mean, he's it, still a good pick for the army overall. I think I think you know, put him on a horse for fifteen points if you want, give him speed eight is perfectly fine. Um, can get him where you need to be. Um, I think one of these guys with. The loot of Insatiable Darkness for Bane Chant too is, is a very strong choice, especially if you're running those those units we talked about earlier. That really want that Bane Chant. Um, if not, I mean, I think that he's still he still okay as as a you know sort of inspiring bubble where you need it. Um, you know, one or, one or two of these guys I think is perfectly fine your list depending on what else is in it. But nothing else exciting about this guy as far as I can tell.
3: Yeah, like the 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 ten point point difference. Like he has Regen five up. That's kind of what you get for the ten points. I think. But for a unit with what is he 10 12 nerve, um, like how much how much mileage are you really going to get out of that? Like uh, you know your your opponent is basically going to ignore this guy until unless you use him to block a charge, or there's nothing else left on the table to kill, or he's trying to get you know like it's it just doesn't come up that all that often. Like I usually forget that he has regen because he never takes wounds during a game um so eh, like you say yeah it's just you're just kind of paying a 10 point penalty for something you don't get a lot of use out of cool we're just
2: going to move right along uh from uh this next unit i'm really curious to hear what your guys thoughts about because uh it did get nerfed in the last clash of kings and it was definitely a unit that was going to be in my army so you guys get to tell me if it's still good or not and that is the ifrit the ifrit is a hero infantry he uh is Melee 4+, plus, defense 4+, one attack, 11, 13 for 135 points. He's a hero individual with Fury and Pathfinder and Fireball 16, which is what had gotten reduced. I believe it was Fireball 20 before. Um, but he can take all the other legendary spells because he does have Fireball. And uh, since it's a hero, he can take an item. So what do you guys think about the free post uh, the Fireball nerf?
3: I've played with him a couple of times. Um, you know, I think, I think before the nerf, he was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, and I think now with the nerf, he's still fine because, you know, hitting on fours without any piercing, uh, dropping them from 20 to 16 really just works out to one less wound. But they're fours, so they're still kind of swingy. Uh, so I think, like, I think they're still worth it in that the job that he would do before is, like, clearing chaff. Okay, he still, he still does enough wounds to, to, to clear chaff. Or like late-game cleanup shooting, like, yeah, he's still got enough to do that. Um, he's still speed 7 with Pathfinder, uh, which, which gives him a nice long 19-inch uh, threat range with that breath weapon. And I think those, those were kind of big selling points as well. So, like, you know, I, f- I feel like you're still going to see him, um, but I think that now that there's the option to take Abyssal Warlocks, that people are going to have to make a tough choice between taking an Efreet or taking a Warlock. I do think that um, the Efreet is probably still the best thing to cast teleport on in this list. So if you're going to try to do some teleport shenanigans, like you're probably going to slingshot an Efreet behind somebody's lines where they can start lighting up soft targets early in the game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the problem with a free, when it comes to the new stuff and the new rules, is that um, he, at one thirty-five points is a lot more expensive than your average wizard, right? So, and, and the reason why is because he has more fireball than your average wizard. So, you don't really want to give him a legendary spell ever. That's not something I would really ever recommend doing because you, you paid so much up front for the fireball. You kind of want to use it. Um, having said that, I mean, we talked earlier about comparing him to you know a regiment of flame bears, and I actually like the regiment of flame bears better now with. The changes um the fireball 16 i think that you're gonna get more value out of that being a scoring unit, just a, just a kind of more versatile unit i mean the free does one thing and he does it well um you know he's picks the target and burns it but but the losing the four fireball i just i just don't like him anymore i don't, I don't think he's quite good enough at his role and at a very expensive price tag for an individual especially
2: what do you think on this guy todd
4: i mean losing four fireball he's not as good as he was before i, I but uh I did catch the tail end of what Alex was saying, and I I don't think he's bad. Frankly, he was never one of the units I cared to use too much. I probably had been playing abyssals for two years before I ever took took one, ever. I did use one a bit last year. Uh, I would still use one again. Uh, Item-wise, I like the boots on them, so you can get that double move with Pathfinder. You can really dart out, dance around people. With Teleport this year, you can get that guy teleported behind lines and do some nasty stuff. Um, obviously piercing something you see a lot. Uh, I still think he has a, a value and a place. Uh, he just doesn't usually flip fit the play style. I kind of play.
2: And I think if you are going to teleport him, uh, I think I could see stuff I hear what you're saying about not wanting to spend a lot of points on him, but if you get him Fireheart amulet and critters call could be good. So you teleport him that force turn, and then he's he's jamming both those spells on something. Could be good. Um, interesting. Yeah. So, um, cool. Okay. So uh, next on the list is the Abyssal Temptress.
3: The Abyssal Temptress is an infantry hero. Um, she's basically the the individual version of a of a succubus. Um, she's speed six, uh, melee three, defense four, uh, with five attacks, Eleven thirteen nerve. She will run you 90 points, uh, as she's a succubi, she has ensnare and stealthy, just like the rest of them, and fury like all the abyssals, uh, and she inspires, but succubi only, uh, you can give her wings for 30 points if you're looking to have something kind of cheap that can fly around. Um, and she can also take Banechant Chant two for fifteen points, which unlocks all of the other uh, all the other legendary spells and a few other spells as well. Um, but I don't think I ever I don't think I've ever seen anybody take her as a, a spellcaster. Um, I never I never found room for one of these in my list. Um, I think if you're playing a lot of Secubi, maybe maybe she makes sense. Or if you're trying to take that formation, uh, they, they they make sense. But like if you're just looking for inspiring. Uh, then the Harbinger's cheaper and will inspire anything. Uh, the new Warlock, I think, is 20 points cheaper than her if you're looking for somebody to cast spells. But, you know, uh, 100, a 120-point flying character with five attacks uh, is 55 points cheaper than a flying champion, uh, which also just has five attacks, but she doesn't have crushing. So it's, again, like, it's a really reliable way to shut down, like, a Defense four uh, shooting unit or, like, hunt out war machines or soft characters. Uh, but I don't know that I would trust her to like reliably ground, uh, you know, a a defense five flying hammer like a dragon type unit with ensnare. Like she's still kind of soft for a speed bump. Like she's she's defense force so she's a little bit better uh, than than the succubi unit. But again, like if you want something to fill this role, uh, I feel like I just I would find the points to take Basuzu instead um, because Basuzu is just better. Just will will do more in that flying harassing character role uh, and is and is worth the points. So yeah, I never. I never managed to fit her in to anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a role for her if you equip her properly. I mean, I think the wings are kind of a must, right? The um, speed 10 and flying, of course, is. is adds a lot of value to her getting to where she needs to be. Um, the big weakness of hers is she doesn't need crushing. So, kind of like, you know, I've seen she's not reliable at downing a dragon, for example, and, and that, that would be great. But, you know, she can't do it that well. Um, her, her real targets are going to be, like, hordes of archers that you can get into to wound and kind of keep them in combat with that and snare for, for a long time. But, you know, you really have to know you're playing against that, I think. Like, so, you know, to... to make her, I think, worthwhile. Uh, there's the item, the new item, um, I think it's the new in Source's Armor, which takes your defense one higher up to five. Um, she's one of the few choices I would actually say that, that item is worth it on her, I think. You know, getting defense five with, with the snare and stealthy kind of makes her, just, like, you know, really annoying to deal with, but it's, you know, you have to make sure, again, that she has the right targets to kind of get into, otherwise she's just going to be a, a expensive speed bump that you could have done with, you know, a 60-point character or, you know, a 70-point character. Um, you Just have to be careful with that. Um, I think also there's a there's a home for her to cast those legendary spells, those one-time use ones. So, you know, I uh, I'm really excited to see how it's going to play out. I just in general, the I main. I mean, we could sound like total idiots here, and and you know everything could be all legendary spells here, including some of the characters we talked about there. You know, that don't have a role. You know, I, I could see I could see a lot of value in this kind of legendary spell spam. You know, the to kind of you know you can take one, take them all, and just kind of overwhelm your opponent. So.
2: No, that's an interesting point, where you may see these characters that you wouldn't think or these individuals or heroes that are just missing something to be viable and it turns out that they were missing a legendary spell that now you've given them. So you're you're taking them in your army, you know, so that will be interesting to see how that develops. And then model-wise for this, you I know you could use uh, a succubus, or I really like uh, I think the model for we'll get to her in a second, but the model for uh, uh, Matibusu would be good for an abyssal temptress with wings.
1: Yeah, the options get pretty uh, pretty up there as far as options. I mean, I know there's uh just definitely you know a million different wings sort of Succubi models. I think I think there's a lot of good options. Um, I think Reaper Bones makes a couple if I'm not mistaken, and then You know, manic, manic. You know, even just kind of make one fancier and just, just kind of give her a cool sword or something.
2: Well, we're on the home stretch now to getting to some of the interesting, uh, sort of uh, unique characters from the uh, Force of the Abyss. So the next on the line is uh, the Lord of Lies.
4: Yeah. So uh, the Lord of Lies is an interesting character. He's a hero, large infantry. A lot of people look at that uh, stat line or, or look at his, some of his abilities and, and think he should be a archfiend, but he's actually just a 40-mil large infantry hero. Uh, speed 10, uh, melee 3, defense 5, attacks 5, nerve 1520, uh, which is really kind of interesting. I can't think of another character off my head that has a 5-point spread like that. Uh, he does cost 300 points.
0: <clears throat> uh,
4: he gets crushing 2. Thunderous 2, and Snare, Fly, Fury, Inspiring, Stealthy, Lightning Bolt 7. So pretty much all the rules. Um, I've seen people use him occasionally. Uh, Patrick Zorro Allen, his, his, I've seen him have him. Uh, maybe Jeff ran him a time or three, uh, but... Generally speaking, that height 2 is meh. Only 5 attacks at 300 points is meh. Uh, He's really not points efficient at all. He's not something I personally consider an option, really.
3: Yeah, I agree. For the same points as an Archfiend, I would say just take the Archfiend. Like, you're you're paying the same amount to have Lightning Bolt 7, but fewer attacks. Doing a couple more wounds with Lightning Bolt doesn't justify, to me, doesn't justify keeping that many points out of combat. So he can keep shooting at stuff, um, and once you get him in combat, he doesn't have as many attacks, so he's not gonna he's not gonna have the damage output of an archfiend. And yeah, that that fifteen waiver value is just totally bizarre. Like, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me why he's got that that thing. So yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen him. He seems like he's one of those characters where like somebody had a, had an interesting concept for him. Like whoever at Mantic was making this guy up, like probably had an interesting idea or a story he wanted to tell. Um, but like the combination of stuff is just kind of weird and doesn't make sense. Um, I guess if you had a really good plan for him, he's, he's worth taking. But I, I think maybe just take an Archfiend instead.
2: I mean, usually you're probably wanting to fly around and lightning bolt, right? Which is when you get wavered off of his 15. Your fury doesn't do anything, so it just seems kind of
3: expensive for that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this he he does very much smell like like a like a campaign special character kind of thing that that got ported over or something
2: like that yeah i don't know cool well we're just going to move right along uh the next one is a really interesting unit and one that i have witnessed a debate over numerous occasions uh which is the well of souls
1: god yes the well of souls man one of my favorite units Probably, actually yeah, i'll say right now my favorite unit in the entire list um so stats are speed 10 melee 4 which is actually a big deal because i mean most kind of monster characters are, are usually melee 3 so Four is a big deal there. His defense five, 10 attacks, his Nervous dash 20, and his points are 275. Um, there's some rules. He's got crushing strength two. Of course, he flies. He's got fury, which doesn't matter. It's inspiring, which is a big plus, uh, big bonus. Um, the life leech five, which is obviously amazing. Um, he's got shambling, which is basically, again, strictly a negative downside on him. You can't fly 20 with him um, directly ever. And then he's got a ability Soul Drain, which is think, was that renamed, I think? Um, either way, basically, it's, it's a... what it allows you to do is when you activate him, and I should have the rulebook here to get the exact wording of the, the spell. Um, it says, The Will Souls pulls the life force from the enemy and feeds from the Abyssal Army. When he's given an order, it may take up to 20 points of damage on itself. However, this cannot... Take it to more than 20 damage in total. For each point of damage taken this way, it may remove one point of damage from a friendly non-ally unit within 9 inches. The Well of Souls will not take a nerve test for damage taken this way. Super unique ability. Super um, super amazing. The, the obvious combination there is that you can take wounds on him and then heal him back with his life 5. Now... Um, the obvious thing as well, again, is that his melee force it is a big deal. He's only got 10 attacks, so, you know, the math says you're only going to be doing about, you know, even even wounding on twos, you're going to be doing about three-point-something wounds. So so you really have to make sure the, the right targets with this guy in the right time. You know, timing's everything, making sure that he's in the right position, he's going to have the right charge lined up, all those kind of tools that come into play. But, um, I mean, he, he's a unit that I... He's usually there's been many games where he's the last thing I have alive in my army and that's enough to get the win or you know or he's he's just done enough or he he's opponents put so much effort to kill this guy. I mean, he's only two hundred and seventy five points. I mean that that's actually like a bargain, I think, as far as this guy's concerned. I mean, he could be three hundred or plus, I think he'd still be worth it. I'm I'm a big fan. I'd like to hear about you guys and what you think about it.
4: Yeah, he, he's one of those magnet characters or units that we've talked about. Uh, he is the one unit that I can legitimately say has been in every single list I've run in over three years with Abyssels. Uh I love him. I love his abilities. I love some of the modeling opportunities. It, it's a really strong unit. Uh, one or two of the guys in my club uh, argue vociferously that he's the most broken thing in the game. Uh, he is under-costed, probably. Um, I don't think brokenly so, but he is a very strong unit, uh, and I just i love everything about him.
3: Yeah, I like him, too. I've i have never been able to fit him into a list, though, and I, and I always wanted to because I had a good conversion in mind for him, um, and I just never got around to it. Uh, he, he costs like 25 points less than the Flying Archfiend, uh, but he does something very different. I think he still has enough attacks, that uh, you know, if you want a buddy to go along with a horde of tortured souls, right, and be there, be their charge buddy, uh, like I think he he could do that pretty well because he can go in and put just enough wounds in uh, to, to help them pop stuff. Um, but yeah, that that like kind of built-in automatic uh, martyr's prayer kind of type ability, I think is really strong, um, especially since we don't grind super well. Uh, having having this you know this just this wound battery sitting behind you just Soaking it up so that your units can keep fighting, I think, is, is pretty crucial. If you're if you're looking to play a role other than elite alpha strike, you you probably want a well of souls. Even if you are playing elite alpha strike and you're afraid that you might get stuck in a grind, like he's still a pretty good choice, I think.
4: I would double down stronger than that. He makes any list better. Uh, your elite alpha strike, especially if you're running with your your, if you're running tortured soul hordes like I know you do, Mike. Those guys suck up wounds real quick because of that defense four well of souls just brings those guys right back to life uh he makes any list better he is money
2: i mean he puts you having played against this guy a lot he puts you in the position to where when he's being a hidden well or there's train for him to hide behind it makes you fighting him know that i need to pick up units and if i don't i'm gonna lose the grind period so it will force you to try to come up with charges to, to where you have to double, triple charge because you know you get stuck in anywhere. You're not, You're. not. He's just going to uh, come in. Like I had one game where I was playing Kyle Pool and he had him hidden and I had some, some tough rolls and I was in the grind. He came out, popped out, sucked 20 damage off of a whole flank. And that was the game, basically. So it can make it really tough to, to compete uh, against what what you would say might be a weakness on some abyssal units, which is their grind ability, this well well of souls really shores that up. I think
1: it's unexpected too. I think is is like, you know, that nine inches is, is far, and 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 you yeah. can do th- cute things like you, it's when you activate the well of Souls, so you can you have units like kind of far away. They can move towards him, and then you can activate the well of souls and then suck up the wounds that your opponent was not even expecting, you know, in a million years. So, a lot, a lot of cute tricks with that. I mean, I think that I like most about it is that I think he keeps up really well with sort of infantry core. So, if there's things that you're looking at at the infantry, we talked about like, like I said, even the Molochs he works well with, but things like, you know, the Sucky buy, the Lesser bissels, especially the stuff with Regen, I think he's, he keeps pace with them because he's shambling. And I usually keep near the middle of my army, and the amount of flanks that guy gets to me is, is out of control. Because because having a flying monster is kind of near a pack of infantry, really really throws your opponent off because they're not used to it, like they don't realize the projection the threat projection is coming from. Him. So he charges 20 inches and he's height four, so I'm going to keep behind some infantry. I mean. Um, he's he's basically flanking half the table, right? I mean, as long as you push him up, you know, properly, and you know, is he's there to kind of you know regenerate the wounds? You, you suck up the rest, and, and you know, really, really just changes the dynamic of, of what the list can do. I, I, mean, like I said I can't you know support this guy enough. I mean, he can he can win the grind against other dragons. He can you know flank units that are expecting it and just kind of put those extra wounds you need. Um, he can just charging more machines. I mean I've charged plenty of more machines than him, you know, like I said, if I just wanna suck up a whole bunch of wounds and charge more machines, I'm gonna guarantee I get that life leech five off, you know, and just kind of, you know, maybe turn around and, and threaten some rear charges. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that you can do that, that, you know, he it's hard to really play this guy wrong. I mean, the the, the only way to play him wrong is think is get him killed early. You gotta make sure you kinda of put him behind stuff, get him covered, don't let him get shot at, you know. That's the worst thing that can happen to this guy if he takes wounds before he starts sucking up wounds he's gonna become really useless really quickly.
4: Just a couple other things to point out with him. Uh, one is that he he can suck up wounds off multiple units, and so uh, it's not just one unit he can pull off of. If you have a couple guys you want to pull off, he can do that. And uh, talking about – kind of doubling down on what Alex was saying, you know, you, you can hold that well in the center of your line uh, with with whatever kind of core or anvils you're using. You fly your, your archfiends up the flank hard. You Maybe you have some nimble heliquins you push up hard. And and you you force the opponent. Well, is he going to turn to face your flank? If he does, he's given the flank to the well that's sitting in the middle of the lines. And it's like, who who do you want to be flanked by?
2: And model wise, right, this gives a, a really interesting uh, model to have a lot of different interpretations on. What have been some of the cool stuff you guys seen people use for their well souls?
3: I think Alex, you're you're using like one of the. What Necron Catan?
1: Yeah, so he's a Catan model. The I, I forgot the name of his, actually, but it's like oh, the that's a kind cool of idea. blowing road one. Yeah, so okay. like it's kind of it's like. You know, I think it like was like a Reaper of Souls. you got to just, you know, suck it up things. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, this guy's the limit. I know I've seen in the past, just to call him out, Robert Brandon has a really cool model where he took kind of a tower and, and built it on a 50-mil base and kind of builds upwards and expands at, at the top of a tower. I forget the exact kid, but it's kind of, I think it was one of those GV Towers that kind of soul thing in the middle coming out of it. So he has this giant, like, you know, it's a bean super tall at the end, but it's kind got this cool tower with souls coming out of the middle of it. So, I mean, there's so much things you could do with it. I think it's just, like, really, really, um, you know, kind of, if you look for modeling, it's hard to look, you know, past this guy. You yeah,
4: know. I've seen, uh, you know, Jeff Swan built a, a well with the kind of spiritual creature flying up out of it. Uh, Kyle's model's a really cool conversion. Uh, 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 there's... Who is it? Maybe Mom or somebody has this kind of demonic gate that I think you could do some cool conversion work with something coming out of that. Uh, for me, I, I love the big GW monsters, and so I, I, do, I use the the newest uh, Great Unclean one. He's, he's got a lot of different parts and ways you can build him, and uh, so I've got kind of the one that's got the, the sw- swirling... Powers coming out of the one arm and the the gaping mouth for the belly and I, I think that fits well enough
3: i think i was i i had a conversion plan but i never did it but i was going to kind of make it match my uh arc fiend uh so so basically like make another arc fiend right demon prince body bird head flaming phoenix wings uh but instead of like holding a sword over his head uh one of the other like gw demon monsters um there were two flavors of it. Like one was a corn flavor and the other was a Zeech flavor. Um, and uh, like the, the Zeech one had like tentacles coming out of its mouth. And this like big like glowing flaming sphere thing with like a, a metal like spiked circle around it um, kind of sticking on his back. And I was going to take that big thing, that big like glowing globe with spikes on it thing and like put that in the uh, in the demon prince's hands instead. So he's like holding it over his head and you make it glowing and do fun stuff with light effects and all that. Um, but I never got around to it. So maybe, maybe one day down the road, people will, people will see that maybe I'll turn that out. Cool.
2: Yeah. Well, it's definitely, I think along with the Archfiend, the well of souls is another one of those signature units that is like, uh, something that kind of inspire you to play the army or inspire tears. It's made me cry many, many times, but, um, I'm with Todd. I don't necessarily think it's like that. OP is probably a little cheap for what it does, but, um, it's pretty good. Um, Cool. Well, next on the line is another uh, uh, pretty good uh, character, and that is Basusu the Vile. So Basusu is a hero individual, um, speed 10 flying, melee 3+, defense 5+, 8 attacks, 14, 16 for 220 points. It's got regen 5+, vicious, crushing strength 2, It's inspiring for gargoyles. So kind of a pretty good flying combat character.
3: I like Basuzu. I use Basuzu. Other people hate Basuzu, hate seeing Basuzu coming at them because Basuzu is just really good at a lot of things. Um, The only thing you have to look out for is that Basuzu is not an Abyssal. Basuzu is an Abyssal Dwarf. So he doesn't have Fury, uh, which means he can get wavered. Uh, and that is always a bummer when Vasuzu gets wavered. But, like, he's really good at grounding things. He's, he's really good at punching archers. He's really good at hunting war machines. He's really good as a speed bump. He's really good at charging in with other units to put just those couple of extra wounds you need to push them over the edge. Like, uh, he's just super useful for the points. You can take him in three different armies, right? He's in, like, Twilight Kin, I think, and Abyssal Dwarves and, and, and Abyssals. Like, that's a hint. Like, Mantic didn't bother making up you know, better, uh, or, or slightly different, uh, living legend characters for other evil fast armies. They're like, everybody gets bazuzu. You get bazuzu and you get bazuzu. You get, right.
1: Right. I mean, I think the key with him is that you get such, so much threat from him, like those eight attacks, um, that you get on him, um, melee three and vicious. like, I mean, he's basically a mini dragon, right? I mean, any, any list is in, he's basically that, that usually second or third dragon that you have to deal with, um, and you know, I wanna—I don't I actually don't take Basusu because I, I think um, as good as he is, I think that it's it's sort of easy in a way to kind of ignore him and just essentially deal with the rest of the army and without him being scoring or without you you know him being only an individual, you can kind of ignore him a bit. Um, granted, I mean he's he's a, he just does a phenomenal role at, at being you know a tough ball of of you know like fightiness that kind of comes in there and. and you know, Sway's combat's their way. I mean, I, I, I can't say he's bad for sure, but...
2: Yeah, I think one, one thing Basusu is good with, like, if you're kind of similar to the Pharaoh, you get Basusu into a, a regiment of Cav first and strip the Thunderous... Most likely Basusu is going to live the counter charge and then you're charging the cav and the flank with an arch fiend or whatever. But I mean that is 220 points is a lot of points to spend on like a stopgap measure like that. But it is something that if you're, you know, your list is designed around delivering things in that way, it can be a valuable tool. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts on the next unit. Again, is another. I think the Abyssal's really were one of the armies that got so many cool new stuff from the Vanguard and the new Clash of Kings. So the next unit on the docket is the Abyssal
3: Warlock. The Abyssal Warlock is one of the new units. I think he came over from Vanguard. It is a large infantry hero spellcaster, which is kind of weird uh, and something we definitely didn't have before. Uh, so he's Speed 5, Melee 4, Defense 5, which is pretty good. One attack, is a spellcaster, who cares. Uh, Nerve is 12-14, pretty good for character, but for large inventory, I think that's about normal. Uh, he costs 70 points. Uh, he has Fury. Uh, he's an individual. He has Regen 5 up, which is kind of nice. Defense 5 with Regen 5 up, it's pretty resilient for a spellcaster. The other good thing about him is that he doesn't start with any spells, uh, which means you aren't paying for any spells that you maybe don't want, uh, which is... Kind of nice because a lot of the other like default spellcasters you look at and you're like okay, but that's not really the spell I want to take with them. So I'm kind of paying points for a spell that I'm not really going to use. Um, so I I kind of like that like build your own spellcaster aspect of him. Um, I think uh, you'll probably also see people put weakness on him because I think weakness is going to be pretty popular. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the couple of builds that I that I have in. In my head, of like, you can kind of replace a harbinger with him, maybe if you give him the inspiring talisman, and then like have him have have him teleport, you know, uh, the the afreet around, um, and you know maybe 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 you want something a little more offensive with him, maybe you take a fireball or something like that, um, and and try to do a better job at being an afreet or a more flexible job at being an afreet. I don't know. I think uh, I think this one requires some experimentation to figure out what the right thing is. Uh, the
4: the one way I've seen some. I, I, it's not an idea of mine, but I've seen some people, uh, some, some top players who brainstormed the idea of something. And that would be running kind of a more infantry-based uh, uh, abyssals, uh, lower abyssals, abyssal guard, anything with regen. Uh, you can get your Molochs in there, put your Well of Souls back there, and then you go run, uh, basically just run your triple warlock maybe even throw in a cronius with with and drain life on all of them and everybody regens anything that isn't regen, the well of souls sucks up whatever the well of souls takes on gets uh, healed off with drain life and and you have kind of the the ever charging battery of, of don't <laughs> die
1: it's the circle of death that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's, it's fine to me I think he's, agreed, the sky's the limit for this guy, right? I love to see here those kind of weird wacky bills. I think this guy fits up real well. I mean, I think Mike kind of nailed it in the head here as far as really every point. I mean, I think this guy is like a, you know, he's kind of that, blank you know we call it blank check kind of like you know right whatever you want on this guy like you can i love that you can just pick the spells i mean i think like you said weakness to me is is what stands out right away if you're looking for something to to put on him and like you said inspiring talismans to me that's a no-brainer Given his weakness given inspiring talisman stick him behind your line he's got the height too so like at least you can make you know take use of that and just kind of cast spells behind him you know casting weakness helping your lines kind of take the charges better um I mean, I think I think the high two thing is definitely unique. I mean, it's a downside in the sense that you can't get teleported. He's not eligible to be a target of teleporting. So he's not regular infantry. Uh, but yeah, I would like to see what people come up with this guy. I mean, I think um, I think even maybe taking some something like you know, even just taking Occam's Curse on him and trying to run him into positions where he can get that spell off is is, is valuable. I mean really you know there's a lot of options this guy i think is as far as an option but um i think i think keeping him inspiring and near the line is, is a good like budget option for, for a caster
2: and like you said i think one of the most unique things i can't think of another spell caster in the game that comes with no spells um where you just purchase someone who has n- you, you know nothing and then they can you can really kit this out to do what you want it to do um and the model's great i think the model for Van- from vanguard is super cool very fun and flavorful model Cool. Okay, well, next on the list uh, is one of the special character units, is a Basusu's Gargoyles. Yeah, this one
4: should go pretty quick, I think, If unless I'm really off. But uh, they're just basically your regular troop of gargoyles. Uh, speed 10, melee 4, defense 4, uh, 8 attacks, 8-10 nerve for 100 points. Come with crushing strength 1, fly, regen 3 up, and vicious. So basically, for 20 points, oh, you can you can take them uh, one unit of them if you've taken Basusu, and basically for 20 points over a regular gargoyle unit, you're getting a point of defense and a point of crushing strength. But why do you want to pay extra 20 points for a 10 break point gargoyle <laughs> unit? Just take another unit of gargoyles.
3: Nerve is still crap. Yep. Yeah. Why well, incentivize people to shoot at them more? Right? It makes no sense.
2: Yeah, we're just going to kind of move right past, you know, nothing to see here. I mean, I guess if you were wanting a theme narrative, it would be fun, but there's really no reason to take this unit. Cool. Well, let's go right into the next one, which is kind of a controversial hot topic issue from Clash of Kings 2019, which is the redesigned Cronius.
1: Yeah, so Cronius, if you haven't read the 19, you're going to be... uh... Shocked I was about to say, but uh, he speed 6, melee 4, defense 5, attacks are D3 plus 3, nerve of 16, 18 for 170 points. He comes with crushing 3, fury of course, pathfinder, strider, and his special rule is tempest, which um, I don't have with me exactly, but I believe it's when you activate him, all enemies within 6 inches take a wound of damage, is that correct? I think that's right let me see oh, i should have it right here so that's correct yeah I'll immediately see okay so so um it says that can never happen more than once now one unique thing now is that he's no longer unique so he can take as many of those as he want of course up to the normal restrictions and um he has access to spells as well so he can take think, by default weakness drain life um all the, all the oh, sorry his, his base spell you can take is drain life and then of course that unlocks the legendary spell so like you can take the you know mind fog not legendary but sorry the mind fog hacks and weakness so um the other option with him is you increase his attacks to d6 plus six for 35 points which I actually do like quite a bit um i think that if you want to get some damage output out of him you really have to take that upgrade otherwise he's going to be a little lackluster but um Yeah, a lot of things I like about this guy. I mean, I really like weakness. I think it's a a very sort of efficient buy there. I think it's it's kind of it's a great speed bump to just move up and cast weakness, and your opponent has to deal with a lot of nerve for for, you know not a lot of points. I don't know. I think this guy again, I I like him a lot. Um, I see one being a pretty good staple in in a lot of lists. Um,
3: I think taking that attack
1: upgrade makes a lot of sense because it basically
3: makes them analogous to a giant or like a Veringer cavern dweller. Uh, kind of in the same point range there, with pretty similar abilities. Um, and the Tempest thing, I think I think Tempest is like a really interesting ability. Um, it's too bad that it doesn't stack, because then like you just take three of these guys and walk them up the middle and just have them just you know radiating heat at everyone and roasting them. Um, but I think I think they're pretty good. Like we didn't we didn't really have a like good non-flying monster option, uh, and I think now we do. So I think if you're if you're looking at doing like a less flying-oriented Abyssal list, then he'd probably be a pretty good option to put in. Um, I know, Todd, you've been
2: running, uh, I think, double Cronius, right, with the melee option a lot lately? Um,
4: I haven't currently, just because I'm not going to be able to have what I want ready for, for that build done for Lone Wolf, but I did a lot of testing for it uh, for this book. Um, and so, yes, the the Cronius change has been a hot topic thing, Uh if you're already an Abyssal's player, you've probably seen it in some of the Abyssal's forums, but I'll, I'll, I'll give my my opinion here for everybody. Of course, that's what we're here for. Uh, in my mind, I don't like the base profile. Uh, I've I've had other people talk about ways to maybe make it work. I don't like it. Uh, I think I do like him with the attack upgrade. At that point, he's basically he's an Abyssal giant that gives out AOE damage. I do think he's 10 to 15 points over-costed at that point. Uh, That being said, that means that he does – 10 to 15 points at that point cost means he would not be something that the Rules Committee would consider for a buff in the past. Uh, They they basically – we generally, when we're looking at things, we look at is it 10 percent over- over or under-costed. Those are things that need to be adjusted. Um, 15 points doesn't meet that. Um, ten points doesn't meet that, uh, and and I think he's really good. I, I've done really well with uh, the double Cronius build. Um, being a couple points overcosted doesn't make him useless. And I'll say this: I have a co- I have more than one player, experienced GT players. One of them, a GT winning player, here in the South, who hate the AOE ability who state unequivocally that they don't think it should have been added to the game. Not that it's broken at this point cost, but that is really strong just radiating out those wounds. Uh, Mid-game, late-game, you can put out a lot of wounds on a lot of units. Yeah, it doesn't cause a nerve check, but it, it's significant. It matters. Um, I think it's a good unit.
2: And I love the mo- I love the Mantic model for this. I think is. I love their resin in house resin, especially their bigger bigger resin pieces, and it definitely does fit a more combat orientated f- profile fluff for that model.
4: Yeah, um, for me, uh, my my goal is just the the great unclean one that I've been using for my Well of Souls. I want to make that my Cronius and add a second one, and I have a. A model coming from a Kickstarter, that's going to be my new well. Uh, But there's a a lot of options out there that could fit the Abyssal Giant. Uh, A lot of things in the Meersh line you could use for that.
2: Yeah, the newer, uh, and you mentioned a couple times before, but we didn't really talk about it. The newer Great Unclean one is such an amazing model. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to move on. We're on the home stretch now. Uh, The next unit that we're going to talk about is the demon lord belal bane of the mortal kingdoms so that's a mouthful so um this is sort of like the living legend arch fiend basically but again it's hero large infantry not hero monster he's speed 10 melee 3 plus defense 5 9 attacks 17 19 for uh a whopping 360 points up for that you get brutal crushing strength 2 you get um, a special voice fly. you get a special rule from the pit I curse it thee which is it's a this ability is a ranged attack that can be used once per game. When this ranged attack is used, all enemy units within six inches of uh, Belal become disordered. Um, he's got fury, he's inspiring. he's got lightning Bolt five. he's got regeneration 5 plus and tc2 and he's also vicious um what do you guys think about this guy
1: he's unique definitely i think um you look at him and he uh i think he mirrors a lot of what you used to see um before the class first clash of kings it came out where you had um the ability to take regeneration on those those dragons and <laughs> fly around. And, and, and so he gives he's the option to still do that if you want to do that. But I think at the end of the day, he's just a little expensive for what you really want out of that flying character. I mean, I think I don't even pay 200 points for Lightning Bolt. There's no way I'm going to pay 60 points for Lightning Bolt, you know, regen and, you know, some rule that you might use once a turn. I'm... Um also the, I think the height two really hurts him a lot. I mean one of the strengths of the lightning bolt on the Arc Phoenix that it's height four and that you can kind of snipe those uh, those characters that are hiding behind units with, with no penalty, assuming that you know it's only height one in the way. Being only height two really limits the ability to shoot that and and being the same height as Hills uh, means that you can't charge over hills effectively either. So I, I think he's just a little limited in what you can use, but um I don't know. What do you guys think about it? I know I know how people have used it in the past. Um, yeah, think? I think
3: I think you can only use his special ability once per game, so it's like a baked-in legendary spell. Um, eh, I, I don't know. I never I, I never really gave this guy serious consideration. Like, uh, he just doesn't really appeal to me all that much for the more point... Like, I'm not trying to make my Archfiend more expensive, I guess. Um, maybe there might be some situations where that special ability will will come in useful, like... Um, if you're fighting a shooting heavy army that's got a bunch of war machines and you feel like getting all the way back there by them, but couldn't charge any of them that turn because it's a shooting attack, right? Like, it, so you can't charge something and do it. You have to, you have to have not uh, moved at the double and still be within six inches of something that you want to disorder, but have not charged it. Like, eh, it just seems super situational, and I don't, I don't know that it's going to come up enough. To be worth it, so I think I think this is another one of those just just take an archfiend kind of situations.
4: Yeah, I mean I, I've tested a list once or twice with him, uh, just just simply because, like like someone else said, uh, you know, going back to being able to have regen on that archfiend type character, um, the height to I agree is is a big detriment uh as far as not just cover but seeing over certain things to make to charge things behind uh you know you, you can't see over anything height two if you're playing you know ogres or people with a bunch of cav uh that you know they can block up your line of sight to things behind that you might otherwise want to charge uh, but I, i've seen people use him nick uh, I, I believe nick uh, williams took him to some events and has done well with them um He's, I agree, though. He's a little expensive for my
2: taste. Yeah, you know, I look at other things that are, like, that expensive, and especially with, like, the change to some of those other things, like some of the other Elder Dragons or whatever you say, or even the Spirit of Valendor that's 340, I think, is on some ways better than this guy. So I just think, points-wise, he's just so expensive. Okay, so next on the list is Amati Busu, Mautibusu.
3: No, nope, Tibusu. So this is another one of those um, Edge of the Abyss uh, campaign Living Legend characters. Um, I think she's like the Living Legend version of the Abyssal Temptress. Um, so she comes with a uh, fly already built in. So she's uh, speed 10, uh, melee 3, defense 4, with 5 attacks, with 12-14 nerve for uh, 160 points. Uh, so she's uh, an infantry hero. She has... In- Nair and stealthy, just like uh, you know the other um, succubi characters. Uh, she has fury, of course, because she's uh, an abyssal, um, and she has inspiring, regular old inspiring, not not just for um, succubi, which is kind of nice. Um, and then she has a special rule called terrible majesty. Uh, terrible majesty says when testing the nerve of an enemy unit engaged in melee with this unit. Add an additional D3 to the total. This effect does not stack with brutal. So, so basically, it's D3 brutal instead of just one. Um, and that's her that's her special trick. Um, so she costs 40 points more than a flying temptress. Uh, you get one more nerve. Uh, you get normal inspiring, and you get that D3 brutal. Ah. Um, I don't know. I feel like she has the same issues as the temptress, um, and she's a living legend. So like, you can't give her crushing strength if you wanted to. Um, I don't know that one more nerve is going to make her that much more effective of a, a tar pit. Um, and the D3 brutal just uh, you know sounds like you're you're paying more points to be disappointed when you roll a one or a two every time you need that. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think I would bother. I don't think I would bother taking her. I don't think she's
2: worth it. I guess the bonus is if you have an Abyssal Temptress with wings, you can always run it as this, too, if you want. Just for fun, but...
4: Yeah, I agree with everybody else. Uh, not not my cup of tea. Um, brutal D3 is interesting, but just meh.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, finally, the last unit on the list is the Twisted Victims.
4: Okay, Uh, Twisted Victims are basically your living legend version of Tortured Souls. Uh, They only come in a horde. Uh, They are speed 10, melee 4, defense 4, 18 attacks, dash 18 nerve, crushing 1, fly, and life leech 2 for 220 points. Uh, So basically they're tortured souls that only have crushing 1, and don't shamble so they can uh, move at the double. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I kind of covered it when, when we were on Tortured Souls. I don't love Tortured Soul hordes anyways. So the slightly less punchy version of them, I don't love either. I did try them out a few times just to see about, you know, not having the shambling. But I, not my cup of tea.
3: Yeah, I think my love affair with Tortured Soul hordes ended long enough ago that uh, I never really gave these guys a serious look. You know, uh, even less grindy losing the, the TC1. And I don't know that the 10 inch move, the, the, the extra 10 inches worth the move, you know, being able to move the double uh, is really worth the 30 points that you'll have to pay to put the Rerun of Strength on them so they're CS2 so that they're kind of worth it. Um,
4: they're Living Legends, so you can't even put that on. Oh, you on can't them. even do that, right,
3: right. Ugh. Yeah, so, I don't know, why bother? It, they just, it, it doesn't seem like a good enough trade-off to me. Like, most of the time you want them charging 20 inches and not, not moving 20 inches anyway, so, like, eh, you yeah, know. It just makes them slightly worse at the job that you want them to do, which is Alpha Strike something really well, you know. You just, you just lost a little bit of ability to Alpha Strike something, so... You you got to use that extra movement to get them in the flanks, and if you can't, then then eh. yeah, no, I I'd I'd pass on them. Even even using a whole bunch of tortured souls, I think I still wouldn't bother
1: taking these guys. Thank you guys, summed that up pretty nicely.
2: So now what we're gonna do as kind of a little uh, appendix to the army review is we're gonna talk about some sample army lists. So each of us has a list that we're going to go over. It's also at different points values. So first, uh, Alex is going to talk about a 1995 list. And I think, uh, Alex, this was the list you took the Adepticon, right?
1: That's right, yeah. I took it and did okay with it. I went three and two. I think I finished in about 15th overall.
2: Cool. Okay, so why don't you uh, take us through your list? Okay,
1: yeah. So in 1995... First, I have one troop of gargoyles, which are your kind of generic chaff piece, designed to get in the way and, you know, be annoying, and all that good stuff. I have one horde of lower bissels that have upgraded to crushing strength one. And as kind of talked about earlier, that, that's kind of my go-to unit. They're, they're, you know, great for scenarios, great for just meat in the middle of the table. They're tough to get through. They, they do a really good job of just kind of being that overall unit that, that gets in the way. And then I have a Horde of Molochs with the Brew of Courage. And kind of the same role as the Lower just a little more uh, aggressive as far as offensive output. Then I have one regiment of Tortured Souls. I have two regiments of the Succubi Lurkers. And um, the new unit we talked about, they're just awesome. (laughs) I had to give them a try. I really wanted to see how they would do. Um, Then the rest of my list is I have a Well of Souls. And then I have two Arc Fiends of the Abyss, both with Wings, one with Critter's Call, one with Blade of Slashing. And that takes it to exactly 1995. Um, lists overall, like I said, did pretty well. I went 3-2, and, and I think the games I did lose were, were pretty competitive. They were kind of down to that last turn kind of you know moment where, where it was very tight. Um, did end up losing those, but I think this list is the epitome of a, of a kind of a glass cannon. You know, I wanted to make that style. Uh, you know, the, the main goal is to have a lot of speed. You know, it's very alpha strike. It's very, it hits you hard and fast. Um, I think in hindsight, I think the Molochs could have probably been traded for something a little bit faster, so maybe like, you know, Abyssal Horseman with Caterpillar or something like that, I think would have worked better in the end. Um anyone's trying to take notes or trying to replicate the style list, I think the one Horde Lower Whistles has a role in it, for sure. But um, I think the rest of the speed and the army complements very, very well as far as, like, hitting power and, and, and you know, when to attack, when not to attack.
2: And when you were playing that list at Adepticon, was there any matchups that you came across that for that style of list uh, that you felt good against, you felt bad against, you think it's a good all comer sort of list? Or matchup-wise, what do you think?
1: Right, so it definitely is an all-comers list. I think that's kind of the main way design list in general just kind of you know not really have any huge weaknesses i mean i think in in general the elves would be the the bad match something that can shoot you very well not not necessarily just elves but and they can shoot a lot at you uh, just because the list doesn't have a lot of staying power necessarily um having said that i did play against an elf player um i think his name is jesse i think bergman out of the midwest um
2: yeah he's one so, of the minnesota greater minnesota area guys
1: yeah, yeah, so I got to play his elves, which is not... It wasn't as shooty as some of other builds, but, um, you know, things like the Critter's Call and, like, the Stealthy, it really, really helps, like, as long as you play it very kind of cautiously, it does do a good job of kind of getting those matchups. Um, another cool matchup I had was against Corey Reynolds, who plays that very, very heavy unit strength high drop, um, you know, sort of ratkin list. Um, so that that was a tough match so that I ended up losing, but it was a... uh but essentially, you know, I killed most of his stuff here. It came down to his his uh, shock troops basically walked into rain. Not, not shock troops, excuse me, the uh, Giselles, the uh, claw shots, ended up walking in on scoring on me. So I lost by, like, one or two unit strength on oh, no. on some uh, shooter units. Right, exactly. So so uh, the rest of the army was more or less dead, though. So I think the list can do a good job of, of kind of killing, you know, the high numbers with just with the high volume of attacks that it puts out. So um, I think just, like, you just have to play very cautiously in the shooting matchups in, in those other scenarios.
2: So superstar unit? What's the superstar unit in the list, do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to say still the Well Souls, just, Overall MVP is is very versatile. I mean, really, he's kind of that third dragon in the list. You know, you, you look at how many he's 1995. You're really only supposed to have two of of a certain type, but he, I kind of, you know, they throw him in there to get that third sort of big flying monster at that level. Did well. The likes by lurkers, um, they they did it probably better than I expected. Um, you know, they they really just. Caught people off guard left and right. I mean, as far as the this, the Pathfinder, the, the Movement Seven, everything. Not a single opponent kind of was ready for them. I think that's uh, you know, I think if you're looking to kind of catch people off, they're they're fantastic for it because they really like you know, everyone had to keep looking at the sheet. People kept forgetting about their speed. Their you know, the whole comment, the whole package was very easy to overlook. So, um, you know, I think they could really have a, a awesome place on the list for that you know, style of attack
2: cool and then um uh moving forward would you change anything would you add anything take anything out uh, is that a list that you're gonna kind of mess with in the future
1: um yeah i could i could see myself going back to this list again for sure um definitely would take out the molox i mean i think i know i've said like one unit's good but i think that this list is it slowly evolved itself to a very alpha strike list where now um it doesn't grind as well as it used, like some other versions did. So I would probably take out the Molochs for some speed, you know, get, like see their horsemen or the, the new, um, you know, faster, better, <laughs> basically mounted sons that we have. So the Heliquins are really, really good. So I think, I think having some cavalry in that list would help a little bit. Um, otherwise I think the list plays really well. I definitely could see myself playing it again. It depends on, on what I, end I'm running, but I think it does alpha strike very, very well. I think, um, you know, I think anyone who plays that style list should, should expect to do pretty well with it.
2: So, my list that I made is 2,000 points. So, we're just moving right up the points value. And this has, um, uh, you know, I'm not an abyssal player. So, I made something that was kind of fits some themes that I like. Plus, it uses semantic models that I like and um, some sort of elements that I don't have in my other lists. So, it starts off with two regiments of flame bearers. You know, we talked about this a little bit, is I like the idea of having some uh, regiments that can sit on objectives that can do something. So I have two regiments of Flame Bearers. Um, I really like the Mantic Hellhound models, and I just like the idea of Hellhounds. So I have three troops of Hellhounds, and what they're in there for is to provide some support and chaff for, like, my three big hammer units, which is I have a regiment of Heliquins with Caterpillar, and two hordes of despoilers. Um, and then as far as um, my heroes, I have an Abyssal Champion with wings. Give me some uh, flying, inspiring. He's, he's got the Blade of Slashing. You know, uh, five attacks can kind of fly around, provide inspiring, add in extra attacks to combats or maybe go after war machines. Um, I have a Abyssal Harbinger. Uh, my other inspiring source, mounted with Banner of the Griffin. The idea here is just hide behind the Despoiler hordes and the Heliquins regiment. Just add some extra uh, inspiring and then the Banner of the Griffin f- to make those three hammer units even a little bit more survivable. And then I have two ifrites, uh which will kind of hang back and uh, do some shooting along with the Flamebearer regiments. And I'm hoping that I'm going to punch so hard with... Um, the Heliquins and the Despoiler Hordes, that if there's anything left, the regiments of flame bearers and the Afrites will kind of help ping things off at the end. Um, and that is 2,000 points. Um, what do you guys think about that list?
3: Um, I think you've done some cool things there. I think, um, I think when you sit down to play it against somebody... You're gonna like having the Efreetes and the Hellhounds out running interference for your hammers. Um, I think I think you're probably not gonna want to keep the Efreetes back. You're 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 probably wanna, gonna gonna want to use them to clear some chaff out of the way because they're fast and maneuverable. Uh, and I think like you know uh, uh, kind of that that, that sort of like skirmish line of, of like some 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 really fast Hellhounds and some Efreetes, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of give people a, well, shit, I'd better send my chaff up there to do something before the Ifrit's kill them. But once they get up there, they're just going to get charged by Hellhounds and killed because Hellhounds have so many attacks. Uh, but then if you don't, then, then you know, they, they they give you that turn that you need to move your, your Helican and your Despoilers up to, to really go in and, like, uh, getting get in double charged by, like, Hellhounds and, and any one of those units your at Despoilers. Or your Hellhounds, like, that, that's that's going to get rid of most units, uh, except maybe, like, big, big infantry hordes uh, in one shot. So I like that. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan of the champion, just because I think he's kind of overpriced. But I think in your list, like, you kind of need that uh, that kind of interceptor or, or, like, guy to run interference. So I think that's that's probably a pretty good addition to this list, because you're at 2,000 mm-hmm. points, so you can't really afford the Suzu. So I, so I can kind of see why why you'd want that in there, and I think it's an okay buy for this list. Um and the flame bears like I don't I don't love them, but I can see how they will definitely work in this list is like they'll just go sit on objectives and shoot things that come near them if if they can manage to get past the hellhounds and the and the despoilers and all. So yeah, I think that'd be I think it'll be fun to play. Uh you got a lot of threats. It moves fast, it it kinda does what you what what you want abyssals to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with Mike too. I think It's a a very toolbox kind of list, right? You have an answer, a tool for kind of every situation. You know, you get the individual, you get the fast stuff, you get the slow stuff. So I think that if you're looking for a balanced out play, I think you're pretty much, you know, the nail on the head. You kind of have that little bit of shooting support, you know, the whole kind of well-roundedness as far as an army goes. So. I think I think it will do well, man. You just gotta kind of get used to some of the style of the list. I think, and then uh, learning like which units go well together. You know, which where which, right to put the flame bearers so they're getting the max out of them, and, and they're still supported by you know, and we can't just run their unit fast right at them and kind of thing. But uh, I think it takes a lot of practice to use that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I think the suggestion on the Efreet's, I mean, in my initial thing is like keeping them back to like uh, clean up, but I think moving them up and helping support the hellhounds is good because that is like a lot of chaff removal and then it, it is some threats like you said a, a hellhound is a hellhounds to me when i'm looking at it is like it's good anti-chaff and then i love units that can combo charge with other things where it's not like having to give two of my big hammers into something whereas one of my hammers and a Hellhound troop. You know that extra fifteen attacks on fours with TC one could add in those extra damage that maybe the Heliquins or a Despoiler horde is not going to pick up something by itself, but the Hellhounds' fast, maneuverable add-on damage seemed good.
3: Yeah, I like uh, I liked um, screening like my my Abyssal Horseman with a unit of uh, either Hellhounds or Gargoyles because you got that nice. You know they can they can block the charge, but they're only height one. So the cav unit can see past them. So, you know, uh, your opponent is kind of left with with that choice of like, OK, I I can shoot the the cav unit behind it, uh, which is which will get cover from from the dog screaming it. Or I can shoot the dogs and try to kill them or waver them. But if but if I don't kill the dogs, then I'm going to get charged by both of those units next turn because they're both really fast. Um, so, yeah, like I think. I think you'll have fun doing that kind of stuff
2: yeah and like the one part of the list i don't feel 100 is like the the harbinger and the champion and like how i'm dealing with my inspiring is probably not super where it would finally be you know once i played the list a few times but it's as like when you're first uh building a list sometimes it's good just to kind of throw some stuff in there that you like and then you're gonna figure out you know what works best for you once you have some some reps with the list
3: I, no, I think that's that's actually a pretty good choice because um, you want an inspiring source that's fast enough to keep up with all of your fast moving units. Um, so I think having a mounted harbinger is like the cheapest way to do that in an abyssal list, and putting banner of the griffin on them is just always good. Um, if you had if you'd gone with like the, the the one infantry horde instead of the two flame bearer regiments, then I would say like well maybe having a harbinger on foot to hang back and keep that inspired would be good. But since you've got So you've got the two of them, like, you're going to put them in two different places anyway. So you kind of just have to punt on having something to inspire.
2: Yeah, and sometimes, too, when I'm starting a new list, I'll either do the 2,000 points, like I just did, or I'll do the level that Mike's going to talk about next, is the 2250, which, you know, is kind of the two of the the more popular tournaments, uh, uh, points-wise, I guess. So, uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and take us through your 2250 list?
3: Sure, sure. So I um, so I think my my goal here was to kind of stick with the uh, general, like, Alpha Strike style that Abyssals do really well, uh, but try to make use of some of the newer uh, units. Uh, previously, I'd, I'd gone really flyer-heavy, and this is more of like a CAV-centric list, like kind of similar to what, uh, what what you did at your 2,000-point list, uh, Jeremy. Um, so... Start with a troop of gargoyles, a lower abyssal horde, uh, two handed weapons, and the orcish skull pole, because I had five points left over. Uh, two regiments of tortured souls, two regiments of helicans, one with the potion of the caterpillar, two hordes of despoilers, one with brew of haste and one with whip of celerity, uh, one ifrit, one archfiend with uh, wings, lightning bolt, and blade of slashing. And one abyssal warlock with weakness and teleport and the inspiring talisman. So my, my kind of general plan for how to uh, – general plan, get it uh, – for how to lay out this this army or, de- or uh, deploy this army would be to put the uh, lower abyssals kind of central, uh, depending on the scenario, uh, you know, some, somewhere around the middle of the table where, where they can do something useful eventually, um, and put the Ifrit and the Warlock kind of near them. Uh, And then working my way out, I'd probably put the Despoilers uh, kind of on either side of the lower abyssals a few few inches out. Uh, And then the Tortured Soul regiments on the outsides of the Despoilers, and then the Helikins a little bit further out on each end there. Uh, and then the gargoyles, I will probably put out on a flank with the archfiend behind them, or I might deploy them someplace else. Like I'll, I'll, I'll probably deploy both of them in the same spot. Like I'll, I'll basically probably deploy the art the uh, gargoyles as a screen for the archfiend, uh, where wherever makes sense. Uh, probably out on a flank, though. Uh, and then my plan would be to move the tortured souls and the helikons and the despoilers up in kind of like a checkerboard or like a chevron formation with the tortured souls a few inches out ahead. Um, and, uh, you know, walk the lower abyssals forward some and then uh, teleport with the warlock, teleport that some someplace really useful, you know, let him move up his, his seven inches and then like slingshot him. Oh, you know, back back behind the enemy somewhere, uh, some some place where you know he's he's not going to get uh, charged quickly by like an enemy mounted hero or surge it into, but uh, some place where there's a, a target he can start breathing on immediately, uh, just to have him working from turn one, uh, and then just kind of camp the warlock, uh, you know, with the uh, with the lower abyssals um, from then on, and have him cast uh, cast weakness on anything that's going to charge. Um, You know, since the tortured soul regiments will be kind of out there towards the middle of the field um, and they can they can take a bump uh, with their their high nerve, you know, their dash 15. Um, Probably, you know, if uh, nobody charges them immediately, probably cast weakness on whatever's going to charge them. Um, Yeah. And then just just, uh, you know, set up your charges like see see what you can draw out with your with your tortured soul regiments or see if your enemy will will like expose a flank while trying to counter maneuver. Uh, and then just you know try to combo charge stuff with the the and the, the spoilers because I don't know if anything is going to survive getting smacked by both of those units. Um, meanwhile, like use the use the gargoyles and the archfiend to kind of get on a flank and and threaten one side or another and put a lot of long range threat on stuff in the middle. And then just kind of pincer everything, you know, between the between the archfiend out on a flank and uh, some of the faster cab units. So that's my that's my general plan for for how I would use it.
2: I, I like it. I think in the first three lists that we've seen, and we're going to hear about Todd's here in a second, is we've seen that, you know, abyssals can punch you in the face, and they can either punch you in the face on foot, or they can punch you in the face galloping at you on claws or horse hooves. So, first three lists I think we all have is we, there's like lots of different ways to provide variety in punchiness, you know, whether on it you, you want it to be on foot or a mounted.
1: Um,. Right, even the flying punch is the thing, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options, I think. I mean, I know, like I said, so those flyers, and, and they're really good, but I think the more important is having that core of, of the infantry or cavalry that I think really support and, and charge really, really effectively.
2: Cool. Okay, well, next we're going to have Todd, and Todd is going to talk about a 2,300-point list, so.
4: Yeah, uh, so this was... Uh the list that I took to Lone Wolf uh, a few weeks ago. Um, So it's 2,300 points, uh, a little different point size, but but close enough to what uh, a lot of events run with 2,250. Um, And so the list is uh, I have two regiments of fleshlings, uh, a troop of gargoyles, a horde of lower abyssals, and I dropped the shields for the crushing strength upgrade, and give them the Healing Brew to try to keep them just uh, in the game a little longer. Uh, I took the Horde of Tortured Souls uh, with the Whip of Celerity, Um, a Regiment of Heliquins with uh, Wine of Elvenkind for Nimble. I have a Horde of the Spoilers with the Brew of Sharpness, apparently as you do. Um... I was running uh, the Heliquin Blood Mask, uh, the Heliquin Hero with Inspiring Talisman, uh, an Abyssal Harbinger, just to kind of uh, inspire my little infantry line, uh, Well of Souls, an Archfiend with Wings, Critters Call, and Brew of Haste, and Basusu the Vile. Um, and so it's a, definitely a little different list than than what I normally run. Um, we were talking earlier, uh, and you know, I'm a big proponent of regiments of tortured souls, and obviously I'm, I'm I don't have those guys. Uh, I I've been testing a lot of lists with the Abyssal Guard that I love, and uh, just uh, is, is trying to get this list to work right. Uh, some of the things I normally do kind of went out the window, but uh, it, it was it's a very fun list to play.
2: Yeah, it was funny. I was giving you a hard time when we were doing the matchup casts. For Lone Wolf, um, when it was like a Todd Serpico un Serpico abyssals list, and I, th- I thought it was funny. So, um, how did the how did you feel playing the list through the event?
4: Um, it was it was a very fun list. Uh, the speed was good. Um, there were a couple times that the uh torture soul horde came in handy, um, but it, I, I mean, it, it definitely had two or three big moments over the five games of the tournament. That said, I I, I did often miss uh, the utility that I get out of my my regiments of them. It it was also actually the first time I've ever used Basusu. He did okay. Um, I I don't know that he's needed in the list. Uh, Taking him was more um, due to a, a, a cool conversion model I came up with, and I just wanted to use it. Um and he, he wasn't bad, but I think if I were to optimize the list, he would be the the thing I would cut out of it probably.
2: And that model's pretty sweet. For those who haven't seen it, what did you use for Bususu?
4: Um so I, I took the um Slaughter Priest, uh one of the Slaughter Priest models from uh, the GW line, and I kind of yeah, it's a it's a really lovely model, and I took uh some wings from uh, gargoyles from uh, the Warm Horde's line um, and just uh, sculpted them onto his back and, and uh, took off some of the bits, extraneous bits that GW had on there and just uh, kind of played around with that a little bit. and It came out really nice uh, and it was uh, just a fun model to use and, and it was fun painting up.
2: Now, do you think you're going to sort of try this sort of different variation for a while, or are you going to go back to traditional TS abyssals?
4: Well, the the, the next the next event in my calendar is probably Bayou Battles, which is twenty five hundred. Um, I'm kind of toying with an uh, whether I want to stick with abyssals or if I can get a new army project done before then. Um, but if, I'm, if I stick with Abyssal, I think I'm going to do something similar to this because it was a lot of fun to play. Um, it, it was a pretty effective list, I felt. Um, N- Nimble on the Heliquins uh, is really good. It, just, it was a list that had a lot of tools. I, but with the extra points, I'd definitely break out the Tortured Souls to a couple regiments to um, see what, a, what other room I have to play with in there.
2: And the Despoilers with Sharpness, how did they do?
4: they they were really strong Uh, I've been testing the the spoilers for a while Um, again kind of a model thing actually when I first came to to play Abyssal's it was because of some Miersh models I fell in love with Um, I I initially used them as Molochs and I could never really make the Moloch list work the way I wanted it to and so they're very large models being Miersh and so they just have now become my despoilers um, but, uh, in, in testing they were good. Um, but I, I was trying not to add so many points to them. Um, and it, it was really the sharpness I think that puts them kind of over the top that really makes them shine. Uh, so yeah, they, they did a lot of work.
2: Well, cool. I, I want to thank, uh, Mike. I want to thank Alex. I want to thank Todd. I want to thank you, the audience for uh, making it through to the end of this episode. I know it was uh, a great Archfiend-sized episode, but I think we got a lot of really great content. As far as what to kind of look at in the future, we have a really exciting uh, Ratkin army review in the works with, um, I know Corey Reynolds is going to be on that cast, a well-known uh, Ratkin player, a couple other people. We have, uh, I think there is an Elf army review Um uh, in the works too so we got a couple of cool armor review projects i want to thank everyone for being patient these take a long time to edit and prepare for you guys so thanks for being patient and uh todd why don't you take us out
4: yeah thanks for joining us and remember keep on countercharging.
0: thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.